into the world. But to change the world in a way that means anything. It's slow. It's methodical. Welcome to 2-Bit Encryption, the officially unofficial podcast for Mr. Robot on USA. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 12. It's Python Part 2. Mm-hmm. It's the follow-up to uh, last week, which was supposed to air originally with last week's episode. They pushed it a week. What do you think after having seen it? Um, I thought it was... It's it, it doesn't retroactively justify all of the, you know... I don't know what you call that this 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 sideshow business where it's always just next wait till next week wait till next week mm. but it did enough to I'm certainly reinvested and curious to see what they do with the next season. I think that if I look back at this season generously if I look back at the season generously I would say that if you're trying to do a high concept show that no one's really ever done before then some of the risks are that the risks you take in playing with the audience engagement and sense of reality are going to backfire. But they got stuff mostly right more than they did wrong. Um, and aside from a few character okay. missteps and just like the continued, like I, it, it's still very much an open question about whether they're going to, you know, bad Lindelof this whole thing up, but I got enough answers to enough core questions. Or at least I think I did that, that keeps me interested. How about you? Uh, yeah, I, I broadly feel the same way. Um, I think, so I'm glad that season two is over because I didn't like season two, but I think at this point they've set up um, what could be a pretty rockin' season three right. if they lean kind of back into what the things that I like yes. about Mr. Robot, uh, which they leaned far, far away from this season. Yeah, and I feel like that this was an act that wasn't long enough for the season to be ju- for the length right. of the season, but it was also too short to carry in its own season and him inventing different plot lines and ways to delay the pivot to the next phase, I think was problematic, but it, it, I think when to look back, you're right. I did not like season two as much as season one, but I don't think it was a fatal. It's not something that's going to... It's not a true detective to... season two. Right, um, but, right. But I will say, I won't even like say I didn't like it compared to season one. I just didn't like it. Mm. I did not like season two. But okay. I know... This is like very divisive among the community, right? Like half the fans what really dislike perc- season two. So, half the fans love it. What would you say percentage wise? Because I was on, the, I couldn't tell whether uh, when I was looking at the official threads on for on on Reddit, and that's how I justify like what's getting upped and downvoted. Right. Like it seemed like it was either a one third or maybe four a uh, one fifth of the community is negative, with two thirds being sure. positive, up to four fifths being positive. Right, and that's you, what it feels like to me. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's about a two-third, one-third split, um, as far as I can tell. But also, that's self-selecting, right? Like, right. you go on Reddit while well, you're talking to the people who are fans of the show. If but you, you're also talking if to you've people gone, that fuck potentially. This, I'm out. Yeah, a long time ago. In in, in episode four of season two, then right. you're not there anymore. That's true. To you're say. self-selecting the people. So so the subset of fans that are prepared to roll with the punches. You're right because right. the ones that aren't are already probably left a long time ago. Yeah. Um, I thought Alan Sepinwall had a useful framing device in his review where he said, you know, he's comparing it to season two of True Detectives and season two of Fargo, both of which were kind of divisive amongst the fans. And he's like, if season two True Detective is like the worst case scenario for a good television show mm-hmm. uh, with a pedigree and like Fargo two is the best case for like, a, I guess, a disappointing uh, or, you know, 
uh, curveball throwing at the audience kind of show that this kind of felt halfway between those two, and that felt fair yeah. to me. Uh-huh. Like, I, I thought Fargo 2 was not as good as season one, but still recognized that as a good television show. Mm-hmm. And I think season two of Mr. Robot is a less successful follow-up and not an, an anthology, but still, like, it's it's a damn sight better than True Detective season two. <laughs> right. And as right. you said, the setup continues to be rocking. Um, I imagine we're going to do a wrap-up podcast next week. Yeah? Yeah. Because I the other thing is I'm I'm curious to see how my opinion will change because I'm already as I think about this more starting to come around to the idea of maybe we know less certainty than I thought we did when this episode first aired, because when I think Uh about some of the stuff that I think I take for granted is like, well, this is conclusively like, there's a lot of people on Reddit, like don't be so hasty to dismiss the Tyrellit theories and the time travel and all that stuff. And they're not fucking wrong. They're not wrong, but they can't be wrong because the way this show is structured, the way this show is, is built, which is, could be the show's greatest strength, but it also could be its greatest weakness. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and I think the challenge for Esmail next season, and next season's probably going to be to make it or break it for me, is can he walk that tightrope? Like, that's something mm-hmm. that the, you know, like, like Lindelof on The Leftovers, I think he walks that tightrope incredibly well. Like, almost flawlessly. And I'm amazed yeah. by it. Esmail is is really, I mean, he's he's not quite fallen off, but he's definitely... You know, done that thing where he falls and he has to grab the wire and claw himself back in. Like that's that's he's not nearly. And and maybe if this was a second show, he he would. Right. Nail this it. is definitely more lost than leftovers. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I I think for me, like the the challenge for the third season is going to be can he reground this thing a little bit? Yeah. Because it it really spun off just into space for me. Um, yeah, I mean he needs he needs to come up with a language for this show to yeah. communicate what is absolutely real. Yeah, because with the things, no question. Like in this episode, I think there's some attempts of that that people on Reddit already like, well, is it? So, well, this so, is what we talked about last episode. Is there any possible way to reground it? Because now the audience has a hold of it. Right. And they're going to spin their theories. Like, and like yeah. Th- there's no way to put that genie back in the bottle. We need an Inception-style totem. We need right. to be able to know. I mean, maybe we don't. Maybe this is another groundbreaking TV experiment. But then you're going to have the people who are like, oh, well, he's using the totem. Is he using that to fake us out? Yeah. Oh, of course he is. That's the that's thing. Like he's doing. I, I don't. You know, I don't need this ca- show to can cater to people that think that anything can happen all the time. Uh, it, like you can be a smart show that plays with reality and ways that breaks all the rules, and and we'll see if he's capable of it. But I'm I'm very curious to see what's going to happen in the next season because yeah, you're right. Um, I think, and and it'll also be interesting to see how our understanding of season two evolves with new information because it's also entirely possible that a lot of this stuff is going to be retrospectively valuable and interesting going forward. Like I was right. Well, 10 minutes in this episode, I was pissing my pants, like thinking, Oh my God, Confixtra And here's the red wheel. But then the more I thought about it, it's like, you know, the red wheelbarrow felt really shoehorned in with the sandwich <laughs> or just, just the, so much depends on the little, that seems like something Sam oh, Esmail the, the read poem, right? and yeah, yeah. kind of enthralled him and he wanted to shoehorn it and make it memorable to Tyrell. Why? There's, I mean, it sounds, everything he said sounds interesting, but Tyrell is such a weird character that like, does it really? Like, what the fuck does that mean? Uh-huh. But, you know, then we got to the end of the episode and I don't know, we, we'll, we'll eventually talk about it. 
Um, I want to mention one thing in feedback real quick up front that I think we got completely wrong, and it seems obvious in retrospect. We're like, why, why, why would you not show these two things back-to-back when they were meant to be aired Mm back-to-back? And the DJ, amongst others, um, responded saying, I'm under the impression that USA decided to separate the last two episodes because it's too close to 9-11, and the imagery in the last episode would be uh, a trigger for people. Uh, we've seen it happen already in the first season of Mr. Robot where someone got shot on TV and then someone got shot on TV in real life and they delayed it. Essentially, can you have a, bl- a, a plot involving the destruction of a t- tall building in New York City on the anniversary of 9-11, the week of the anniversary of 9-11, and not get shit for it? That feels... I'm not saying I agree with the decision, but I also understand why the network decided to do that. I guess so. I mean... No buildings actually exploded. Right. Nothing actually happened here. But that was also, like, in retrospect, seeing the celebration scene of everybody sitting with Elliot around the table in the street and then the Mm -hmm. building being destroyed in the background, that was his subconscious awareness of this plot the entire time, right? Yeah, seems like it. And, you know, yeah, they didn't actually blow up the building, but just a plot, a terrorist plot to blow up the building, I think, like I said, I can see where they're coming from. So that. It's a it's 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 a shame because it really botched it really botched the momentum and it's a, a what if or what would happen if we had seen these all in 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 one one go but what are you gonna do yeah okay well let's get into the recap we start off with uh, a repeat of an old scene where Tyrell met Mister Robot except this time we know it's Elliot so we're seeing Elliot uh, we all see the aftermath where Elliot tells him that he's only seeing what's in front of him, not what's above him. That really confuses Tyrell, and he repeats this poem that his father used to recite and says, I didn't want to be anything like my father, which I guess makes Elliot like him. That kind of seems to seal the deal on allowing Tyrell into this party. Yeah, so I think... It's interesting because I got from this that he's recontextualized his Red Wheelbarrow poem, mm-hmm. uh, which is quoted in its entirety, to be almost like either a affectionate or a patronizing talking down to a child. Like, you know, a child is having a crisis or they're emotional about something and like, oh, so much depends on the little Red Wheelbarrow. You know, like that, like this... It's a weird. The poem frames this like it's like a, the the red wheelbarrow that's sitting in the yard is this heroic figure. Mm-hmm. Like in it, in it, in it's. And I'm getting into this, like all this political, this this poetry analysis. But like the ridiculousness that this wheelbarrow that's used for a specific task, like taking firewood from here or there, shoveling shit in the chicken coop or whatever, thinks it's a a, a, a central figure in its own story. Mm-hmm. And like that's something that his Dutch father would like chide him with, maybe. But I also don't understand I, – I thought his explanation of his father and the fact that he was this poor immigrant that was uneducated but yet somehow was exposed to this poetry and that he – that just feels like so unrealistic and weird and adds on to Tyrell's already alien feeling of like <laughs> what the fuck is going on with him and Joanna that uh-huh. – it really, it's like I, I there's, it's interesting and deep, but like my mind recoils from it because it's dumb Tyrell. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I I had to guess a bit more. Um, I was a little more off put by the red wheelbarrow. I I read something somewhere where that poem is not meant to really make sense, so much as as just confuse you a little bit. 
So I, I don't know if I don't know what they're going for there. Honestly, I'm I'm just like Tyrell in the scene. I'm confused as fuck. I I yes, don't care to think like, about it. Yeah, like, what what does it mean? Like you're worried about things in front of you. You're not worried about the things above you. What does that even mean? Yeah, I I have no idea. Is that an allusion to price? Is it an allusion to white rose? Is it an allusion to all the things in I the mean, world that he doesn't know about? The like blue skies above him, and they mention blue skies, and we'll get to all the blue sky USA uh, poking fun later. But okay, but yeah, I have no fucking idea what that means. And right. Honestly, I don't know that I care to decipher it. And then they cut this, the next song they play, this Hall of Mirrors, I thought was incredible. In fact, I thought it was, ori- until the chorus started, I suspected it was just original score for Mr. Yeah. Robot. Mm-hmm. But man, the musical choices are all solid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, I guess what's the next scene that can fixture? We're back to, we're back to present day. And yeah. Tyrell takes Elliot to an abandoned building where he expects Elliot to remember the plan, but of course he doesn't. Uh, Elliot tells Tyrell that Joanne is looking for him, but Tyrell says, uh, I know I'm doing what needs to be done. She can wait, pretty much. Uh, then Tyrell shows Elliot something they've accomplished on the computer that we don't get to see yet. My first real issue with this episode that annoyed me much more on second watch is it's a fine line for building tension by having a character stare at something that you can't see. <laughs> And then whatever line that is, this show consistently trampled across it. Because oh, yeah. Because I'm oh, like... Yeah. All season. I've I've hated that aspect But of this it. was like in a magnifying. Like, this is like... like I'm going to sit there and make and have Elliot stare at this with his mouth gaping open for 30, 40 seconds. I'm going to yeah. have Angela and... Or, or not, not Angela. I'm going to have Darlene and Dom do it. I just... Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go back and double down with Mr. Robot later. And I just... I don't... It's really the show's worst instincts. I agree. Um, but then sometimes there's a couple, like, w- in the standoff at the end with um, Mr. Robot and, and Tyrell and Elliot, that crossed the line from frustration to titillation. Like, I think that's the line you walk. You're, you're trying to titillate and, ten- and intensify the tension that the viewers is, is watching. But if, if it goes on too long, it's just, it's just frustration. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I don't view those scenes as very similar. Or are you... Because we know what's happening. We know the stakes. We know exactly what's going well, no, on no, in the no, scene I where Tyrell I think they're the same because they're delaying the resolution of a mystery. Okay. I mean... I, you, I suppose so. You're yeah. right. They're not structurally... He's not... It's not just Mr. It's not just Elliot gaping at something <laughs> right. into the camera, but like it's... it's like a, if we had stayed on him at the computer and he stands up and turns around and he starts gaping. Right. Then it'd be like, oh, God, What? What's going on behind him? That, that's what I'm saying. I think that the Mr. Robot is at its most annoying when it's delaying information yeah. that we as an audience have every right and rational expectation to get. Right. Just to delay the gratification of getting that information. And it does it so consistently that it's essentially it's, it's obvious. It's essentially like getting a surprise birthday party could be fun. I personally, that's my worst nightmare. But I know there's people that, that love that shit. But right. no one has ever said what I really want is someone to tell me they're going to throw me a surprise birthday party, and then hey, we're going to surprise you with a surprise birthday party. You're not going to believe it. Just wait; it's going to be in a couple of days. Like that's like what's the fucking point? <laughs> right. And that's what Mr. Robot does. Like I got you surprised. Well, what is it? Oh, it's going to be a, that won't be a surprise anymore. Well, then why the fuck did you tell me? It's already not a surprise. The only fucking utility above giving a gift is the surprise element of it. If you spoil the surprise, then all you got is the gift, so fucking give it to me, you asshole. <laughs> and that's what S-Mail's doing this whole season. Yeah. Yep, I'm with you. 
so th- there's this guy downstairs who we've seen before. I don't know if you're aware of this, but... The Chinese guy in the clean, eating yeah. the barbecue sandwich? Uh-huh. Yeah, so he's in the, the hard drive recovery shop when it, when Elliot first meets White Rose. Really? And he's also in that suit eating a sandwich. Okay, all right. So never not eating this guy. Now, something that I wasn't able to, because I literally saw this five minutes before it took the air, but someone said that the sandwich wrapper that he was eating said Red Wheelbarrow Barbecue. That's fucking bullshit. Stop it. Stop no, it. it does. No, no, I'm saying oh, okay. it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> right. It's fucking bullshit. How? I, How? I mean, I, that's so, like... So where does Elliot get... This red wheelbarrow thing in his hallucinations with Hot Carla, right? Because she's burning shit in a red wheelbarrow. The uh, the Confixture Industries, that's all red wheelbarrow shit. Does he get it from Tyrell? He did, yeah. Or does he get it from this popular chain of barbecue, barbecue restaurants, restaurants that right. everybody in the show is fucking eating from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Pro- both, I guess? Yeah. I... I, I... <laughs> To me, that's the that's the another layer that they add to the show that's more frustrating than it is cute. Like it was a neat. Cause it, it's I like, it's, like it you, really already, you already you already kind of semi blew my mind when you had El, Tyrell explain the significance of the red wheelbarrow and how that incepted in Elliot's mind, and now he's riding the red wheelbarrow and he doesn't know why. Mm-hmm. But then you're muddying the waters by having this dude chowing down on a red wheelbarrow sandwich. So like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Um... So uh, Elliot's talking a bunch of stuff here about, you know, how our senses may, like, it's horrifying that our senses maybe don't present us with the true nature of reality at all times. Yes. And and this what-if scenario, what if that were true? Well, guess what, motherfuckers? We're living it. That's absolutely 100% true. There is mm-hmm. no what-if here. That's fact. Right. We can't see infrared. Mm-hmm. We can't hear subsonic sounds. Like, right. The- our senses are limited. We are not presented with the true nature of reality on a right. day-to-day basis. Live with it. Right. <laughs> and just like the the constant teasing of this stuff and the slow reveal is just like I – it makes sense in the reality that we're living in, which is Tyrell expects Elliot to know all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And Elliot is also reluctant to review his to, – to reveal his ignorance of it because he knows how crazy it makes him seem. Sure. But I've been watching the show for two fucking seasons. I get it. I get it. Like, I don't need you drawing out the tension I already feel with a bunch of cinematic techniques. Like, I that's where, again, drive me crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, all these scenes are just so slow. It's, it's partially that. It's partially that they're going for, like, an atmosphere mm. of... of frustration and unreality and confusion and yeah. uh, feeling like and you're they're out just of control. not conveying enough during these very slow scenes where and i feel like yeah there's, there's they don't justify the runtime i guess there's for me anyway. there's a response to this where they say well aaron your anger and frustration and annoyance and feeling like you don't have control as a viewer is mm-hmm. uh entirely intentional right and to which i say well fine but this is not a show i like to watch yeah like this this is a show that's that's risking turning me off forever as a viewer to 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 provoke an emotional reaction which i still don't think it's the same flavor and intensity that they're trying for like i don't think Sam I, I think they're is missing like, a little bit yeah it's like i want to essentially drive the viewer away but dial it back 10% like no i don't think that's his mission statement so for me for this human individual you're talking to right now I don't think it's it's succeeding the way he wants it to. And I think that's really the divide in the audience is, okay, what, what did you get out of season one? Mm-hmm. And what are you in this show for? Because I'm, right. I'm not in the show for 
the false tension, this this pseudo tension, this frustration, this very artsy depiction of of the hacking scene. I'm more in it for the hacking, for the mm-hmm. plot, for I the even characters. like the mystery, honestly. But you know, it's got to go somewhere and mean right. something, and 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 something and, and something that I can wrap my heads around in in a single season for it to be meaningful. Yeah, no, because like you know, stage two is essentially the question we had, like what comes next at the end yeah. of season one. We're exactly in the same spot. We have I, all pre- we know now is what stage two is. It hasn't gone off. Yes, in the three ensuing months, which blows my fucking mind. Because if I'm Ecorp, right, and I go. Oh shit! All of our records, all of our digital records, are now encrypted. We can't access any of them. Get the techs in here. Mm-hmm. Let's see what. Let's see if we can fix this. Right. Day two. Oh, we can't. We can't fix this immediately. Get the paper backups in here. I think let's what, get it fucking going because it's not feel... gonna. We're not gonna sit on it for three months and try and hack this thing open. Sure, but don't you feel like that's what that's actually happened? I, I felt like I understood that that's what they've been quietly getting all these contracts and stuff, and they're almost done. It would take three months to collect oh, those contracts? I think they're selling it short on how long it would take to get all that stuff. Do you think so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't. I think like it a takes global a month span, A global spanning company to get all that paper and find all the deeds and find all that stuff like and get it all from the vi- – <sighs> now, that the thing I think is unrealistic is the fact that they would get it all to one central location rather than just scanning it in situ – and 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 sure. uploading because yeah. that's just an artificial way of not having to do a, another combined global hack like they did last year. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's uh, it's convenient that they're putting this all in one big building, right? Um, but it's also not a super imaginative reveal, right? Like, I that was not quite the mind blowing reveal I thought it was. And also, the other thing right. is Philip Price has been alluding to that they need time. They've got a solution, but it needs time to work. So like I feel like that they've they've been doing the, the the background stuff. It's just I don't find stage two is is blowing up the paper trail not super compelling. Right, but how could it ever live up to what people are speculating? Fucking time travel and androids and AI and like well, I mean, mind control. You can't Ty- you definitely can't live up to that hype. The reality that's not the of the Tyrell Elliot Mr. Robot relationship was not its most interesting configuration mm-hmm. from the fever dreams of the fans, including me. Mm-hmm. But it still managed to be satisfying and interesting a conclusion its own. So, like, I'm not okay. saying it had to be fucking World War of the Worlds or Time Cop, <laughs> okay. but literally blowing up big piles of paper. Mm-hmm. It's a very logical progression. Are, are, are these I mean, the only copies in existence? Like, wouldn't that be job number one? If this is the super crit- you're going to put them to all one central vulnerable location? Wouldn't you like copies make, first? Send us copies, yeah. yeah. Or you make copies, send us the original. Uh-huh. Scan the copies, make a copy, send us the original. Like, we just got fucked over by having one copy that got corrupted. Like, let's, right. <laughs> I don't know. But that's just me. This is a television show. I understand you got to, you got to, Grind some pig lips and assholes to make sausage occasionally. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on. Dom tries to question Darlene. Oh, by the way, she's alive. But she's not cooperating. Cisco, super dead, though. Cisco, definitely dead. Blood all over Darlene to prove it. And Vincent, or whatever, the the bronze ball guy, uh, super alive, but fucked. Going to be fucked in fe- federal uh, pound up the ass prison oh, for yeah. the rest of his life. Oh, yeah. He's in trouble. Uh, uh, actually, it's been upgraded to federal teabag you in the mouth prison. They, they, they've ceased to ask well because that's what darlene said oh it. suck a dick <laughs> no no she said oh the government really loves to teabag us like oh, normal yeah, people yeah. so right 
Uh, Saddam's boss tries to threaten Darlene as a terrorist, but she's playing dumb. Uh, Dom asks to have a second alone with Darlene and tells her that they'll be best friends by the end of the day. Okay. This is the second thing I think is dumb about this episode because are we so are we supposed to appreciate the F society really are morons and everything except for hacking and they're also their hacks are more like a brute squad giant explosion A team kind of thing and less like a ninja infiltration because or because Darlene is I'm just the whole time I'm thinking Darlene saying I got his character that's smart and strong and resilient and she's evoked her fifth amendment it's game over mm-hmm. how the fuck is Dom going to parallel her or or, or or manipulate her into talking and they just the three scenes they 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 think this I th- feel like they think this game of cat and mouse is going to be funny where Darlene's going to be badass and then Dom's going to laugh in her face and then Darlene's going to be badass again and Dom's going to be like well, let me reveal a mystery and we'll slowly look down a corridor and then we'll spend five minutes looking at something you can't see and then they show us and like well okay they've got a lot more surprising information that I guess they yeah. They lucked into because the accidental shooting of which I thought that was a cool reveal. The accidental shooting of Romero caused them to scurry like cockroaches, which allowed the FBI to cotton on to them. But hmm. okay, you know, on the other hand, if I'm Darlene, and I think that's what she. In the end, she's like, "You got to be shitting me." Is they're still fucking wrong? They got the wrong guy in the middle of it. So if I'm Darlene, that gives me more incentive to just lawyer up. What could I possibly say that's better? That then then let me talk to a lawyer and my lawyer can accurately and legally conceive my best case scenario information to you. Right. I mean, even if that's this is bald move rule number one. Don't talking to the fucking cops and they 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 turn it into a twenty minute plot line. And like if okay, so you you see your brothers in this mix, right? Elliot's up there on the board. Mm -hmm. You don't want him to get caught. You don't want him to get in trouble. Uh, Your best bet still get that lawyer. Yeah, and have and 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 figure out a way to the frame Tyrell. It's already now half we, in the bag. We we don't know that she's not going to just do that. That's what I'm that saying. She's just going to say, "All right, you got a board lawyer." But that's what I'm like, saying. We've been watching them tap dance for 20 minutes, and we don't. And 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 the frame in the fucking conversation has not moved one iota from the very first scene. Right. So yes, tour de force acting performance for both of these ladies. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it doesn't mean anything, and it's it's also one of my personal bugaboos. It's just yeah. you know, it's been all all season. And it's, it's know, been it's all not, season with this stuff. The other thing is, like, this isn't the police manipulating a corner boy from the wire. It's not the police uh, manipulating a mentally challenged 16-year-old in Manitow County on making a murderer. This is a police trying to manipulate a very smart, paranoid person that they've shown that does pretty much everything correctly. And also... The uh, progressive reveal of the evidence. What's the point of that? What? Why do you? Why? Why do you reveal in stages all of the devastation that you know? Why wouldn't you just put your best case like, bam? Here is the weight, full weight of the evidence. It's like boiling a I think frog. You, well, I I think that's exactly it. You you let them stew, right? You yeah, maybe. you give them a piece of evidence and they go, oh, okay. Well, that's just a small piece, but how does it? How could it connect me? Oh, it, maybe it could connect me in this way or that way. Yeah. Then you pile on another piece, and they go, "Oh no, now it's mounting up." Another piece, another piece. I, I think you you do it that way to break them down in their own minds. They're yeah. like, you, you let them just kind of construct a scenario where they're caught. And I I don't know. But even I'm, in I'm that, not so, an so just, just so. out of universe, even in that situation, folks, it's still best to not talk to the cops directly. Yeah. <laughs> 
Right. Okay. Even if they have, even if they pull out a severed head with your because any kind of plea signature deal, on like it. all that stuff is the the yeah. currency you will be paying for that is the information you have. Right. Don't give it away. Get your lawyer and then have him get the best deal for you. Like, and yeah. and it goes you know double if you're innocent. The last thing you want to do is give them a bunch of circumstantial shit to hang you with. So just right. fucking lawyer up. Like, and she's saying it the whole time, and but, they're just like you know. Well, they're, they're, so they're kind of. They're removing that option from the table because yeah. he goes on uh, – her boss, Dom's boss, goes on about this uh, Patriot Act and saying, like, basically we're holding you as a terrorist and you don't have any rights anymore. You yeah, you're going to go get, get a get lawyer. Mo. Like, you can say lawyer all you want, but you're not getting one. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, she doesn't have that option, really, but according he, to this guy. Now, I don't know that's if he's what I'm bullshitting. Saying, like, guess what? Police can lie to you about that shit, But too. we also know they, there are plenty of people held in this country who don't get a fair trial. Don't get any trial. So yeah, American citizen, natural born American citizen. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm I mean, being naive. I mean, if they label here. you a terrorist, they could probably do it. Sure, you probably get away with it. Sure. And clearly, you can see the effects of what she's done if you believe that she's part of this. Yeah. Um. You know, and again, like you know, if they start fucking Jack Bauer style torturing you, then you gotta do. You're gonna do whatever you, you're gonna do. Uh, the response to t- the torture is to give them whatever it. It is that they need to make you stop torturing. Good intel, bad intel, it doesn't matter. Um, I don't know. And the other thing is like I, I. The other thing that made to kind of turn me off is how they threw in the Just burn scream notice. Freedom. Just scream freedom when they start torturing you. <laughs> and and drop your fiance's <laughs> right. wedding rag or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. Um. When he's like, this isn't bird notice, like, come on. So there are a couple of That's, USA references, which I think are kind of funny, but it may, Maybe if it wasn't encased in a scene that was already borderline annoying to me, but yeah. Because nah, they talk I, about this blue sky stuff, right? And that is apparently how USA refers to their their old programming as blue skies Oh, really? shows, blue sky shows, yeah, mm-hmm. which are kind of like... Middle of the road. I guess hero always wins kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, it's American and, as mom and apple pie. And right. Everybody and, watches and their, it feel good. Their slogan are, is like characters welcome or something like that. And so they they say th- there are no characters here or whatever in this scene. Uh, I don't know. It's poking fun at the network that they're on, which I think is kind of funny. Yeah, it's also like if it, 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 it reads to me as too cute. But then again, I was kind of like pissed off about the scene anyway. Right. Uh, so Joanna goes to see Scott Knowles and outs him as the caller and gift giver from previous episodes. She asks why he's trying to drive her insane, and he says it's because his wife was pregnant when Tyrell killed her. And Joanna says she's glad the baby died. So Scott beats the shit out of her, then calls 911. Am I crazy, or did this... I, I feel like this scene kind of made all the Joanna shit worth it. Because I thought this scene was pretty incredible. Uh... Yeah, it's a real strong scene. Even the way it starts, where I she's... just don't know where it's going. I don't either. Why is Joanna important to any of this? Why have we seen any of this stuff? Well, I mean, we got to believe that she's an equal of Tyrell, and Tyrell is the main villain slash hero now. So, I mean, I feel but like she's not involved the, the... in any th- any of the important stuff that's really going on in the world. Right? But this it's... season has moved her from Skylar White to closer like a mags bennett from Je- like like she's a villain and a powerful in her own rights and she's got machinations and okay. plots that you have to right. so so they, they they pivoted her from this sex kitten you know quietly supportive and occasionally challenging uh, you know um 
appendage of Tyrell into a character of her own right. She's still fucking batshit crazy because so is Tyrell. But mm-hmm. like, I thought this scene, like when she showed up with that smile and the framed ultrasound is like, I got to say, of all the gifts you sent me, this got me the wettest. Uh-huh. Like I was just cracking up. And then, you know, when he tells this story and she asks him about the powerful man, he tells this story and she like cradles his face and then immediately goes in, you pussy, you piece of shit. Like it really gave me whiplash in a good yeah. way mm-hmm. um now what i don't and, understand and the performance from this dude also sure when he's talking about his wife and her death and I'm, i imagine this is a difficult kid. scene for both of them because it's just so yeah. all over the map and cuckoo nuts and in, in the sure. best kind yeah. of mr robot way um you know and like he's like you know f- you know you're mourning a woman's gonna fuck my husband fuck her and her fetal corpse Mm-hmm. Your child is lucky to be dead. He starts beating the shit out of her. Now, my question is, as this was happening, like, how does this rough sex plot with her boyfriend figure in? Because later in, I thought he was going to be resistant to, quote unquote, doing the right thing to protect her. And she was just going to smoothly go into like, well, you either say, tell this story or I go to the cops and say that you're the one to beat the shit out of me. You got out of control. And she was going to like blackmail him, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. So like, what is this? Are we supposed to understand that she's been conditioning herself to survive a beating from a man by, like, slowly acclimating her her, her bone structure and her brain concussions so she can withstand the savage beating? I don't think they're connected at all, unless... uh, Oh, come on, they've got to be. She's been choking and getting punched all season long. Right, but tell me that has any effect on whether or not you can take a beating. That's my point. So I'm saying that that connection's dumb. Okay. they are connected, right? Well, I mean, they might be, like, high-level connected in the way that Red Wheelbarrow is connected to... To the blue skies fantasy that Tyrell has. To the barbecue has. Like, sandwich, a stupid connection? That's what you're saying? I, I'm just saying <laughs> it's so it's so thin. that Like, it's, it's very, sure, it's thematic. Like, there's something about Joanna where, like, this wasn't necessarily preparing her, but it was, like, almost this cosmic level, like, connection to the beating she was going to have later yeah. that, that expressed itself in her, in the way she liked to be treated during sex. See, I, I find it's, that troubling because that's almost that's getting close to, well, she likes engaging in these sexual these consensual sex practices. Therefore, isn't it ironic, almost fitting, that she gets the shit kicked out of her, beat out of her by this other man, and she provoke like I, I I don't know. That's a little uncomfortable. But then again, like I think that I, it's, it's fine for dramas to like make that. me feel. I know you didn't. Okay. This is where I'm going. Okay, I think it's fine for dramas to make me feel that uncomfortable, but I don't. Again, I don't know. It's another thing that I don't. I, I know they're related, but I don't know how, and I'm not sure. Like I feel like Joanna knows more than I do, and I don't. I I I don't know why two seasons later that's something I can say. Right, and this is a, this is a problem that I have with a lot of stuff that goes on in Mr. Robot. Is it's yeah. so tenuously connected, so like razor thin connections here um, that you really have to do mental gymnastics to even approach, to even mm-hmm. start to view. And maybe that's part of, maybe maybe the philosophy of our senses are giving us a garbled depiction of reality is this whole show's philosophy. But and that's the it's promise, pretty annoying. That's the promise of the show, right? That all this frustration and, and annoyance is going to build into something to where you're just like, holy shit, this is incredible. And mm-hmm. the only way I'm gonna, I the only way I can experience it is by sitting through the two seasons right. game before. Yeah, but you know. If you go, if, if you if you extend that too long, you end up with X Files or The Lost, where it's just like. But when I say I don't think there is any connection, I mean I don't think there's any kind of like plot 
like actual real world really? connection. You don't think there's it. any mechanical connection between her nope. inexplicably having her lovers beat her in the face and choke. I mean, if very... you can come up with one that sounds reasonable, I'll I'll follow you down that rabbit hole. But like, well, I mean, so I just laid out one that they didn't use this episode, but it could be this guy because he doesn't seem like. And I thought that was really weird. He's the type of guy to go off and beat someone to death. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't want to get him in jail. He doesn't worry about lying to the cops. I guess it's like, you know, so you'll you'll do prison time for assault and battery, but you won't do prison time for perjury. Right. Like, that's weird, but I guess that make I guess there's a certain type of person that would do that. And in the end, I guess he does. So so, so. but but he does definitely he's not gung ho about it. Right. And maybe yeah. she will have to use this as, you know, some kind of leverage. Or I thought I think the other at first thing, he doesn't understand it. The other thing is, like, if it takes, you know, I, I wonder, because I, I, the other thing is when it, it, she wasn't blackmailing, I thought in, when, when she said, now let's go over this again, that I thought she's going to do something like, now I need you to choke me and punch me again because these wounds are not fresh enough. What? What? You know, well, they re- certainly weren't severe enough for the beating that she t- had taken. I thought so, too. And like, I'd she like, was talking just fine. Has no maybe problem. a day or two gone past, and she's going to have him do so it looks like it just happened so they can go to the police again. Or I was going to have her, I thought she was going to say something like, now I need you to have sex with me. So it look, But then like they would do a sperm sample and see it doesn't right so make it's yeah, like not I, only did I, he beat the shemmy he raped me too he's a maniac like like they're trying to sell the fact that he's a fucking insane person mm-hmm. so he takes the tyrell fall i mean that's her plot right she's she's trying to get her the stage set for her husband to make his dramatic re-entry into the world i guess i mean there's just no way for him to do that being connected to the five nine attack the five yeah. nine hack rather right it's well, just not gonna happen is there any way they can pivot him killing his wife into some overall conspiracy that leads him to be on top of the fbi's watch list i could they maybe yeah i, I mean but it's so far in the distance it's hard to see right I, it feels like you just need to wait to season three yeah but great scene <laughs> after all the shit great <laughs> yeah, scene it's a really good scene uh so and we all kind of knew this was going to be scott Knowles, right like nobody yeah, was I like super everyone, surprised that he was the one calling. That was certainly a leading contender theory. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Dom keeps trying to break Darlene by telling her that f- her friends ratted her out, but she tells Dom to go suck a dick. Dom comes back with the camera they got from Cisco's house and says, "We're gonna find your DNA on it." Uh, Darlene's still not phased. Also, still Dom doesn't out. have the videotape of her just being the guy. I guess like is that gonna is that still a, a hang is is that still a a sword hanging over Darlene's head, Damocles style, or do you think Dom... Where did that go? I mean, she had to have gotten rid of that See, immediately, With right? Dom's like, progressive reveal of the evidence, I just assume this is yet right. another level of damning evidence that she has withheld from Darlene mm-hmm. at this point. But it was weird for me that you show the giant, you know, Carrie Matheson-style FBI board, mm-hmm. and it's the guy, that seems like that's your strongest, most shocking evidence, that, like, hey, you're famous, Right. We've known you for you about you guys for weeks now, without playing the tape first. Yeah, so you, like you wouldn't do that. I mean, yeah, but but I also think they're trying to keep the idea alive that Dar because my reaction when Darlene saw saw the board is you guys think you know the story but you don't and I I can use that to my advantage. Yeah, they know part of the story, but right. definitely not the whole thing. But just this like you know this dueling like go back and look up. You know, conniving cunt in your manual, come back with n- better techniques. And if you want just, any other details, the answer is suck a dick. I thought it was a great line. Well, yeah, I just feel like it's I'm watching the world's most boring and pointless tennis match. 
Okay. Like they're just playing it for the sake of playing it for my benefit, but I don't want it. I'm like, no, 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 that's fine. You can just get right to the point. No, don't do this. Don't, no, you're going to all this effort for just for me. No, that's all right. As the audience, I'm like, the, I, I don't need it. Well, there, there's one There's one more phase before the board. She I also can, bust out the bullet casing. Can I also ask you before, when we get to the part where she says, you know, look up um, um, Conniving Cunt in your manual, mm-hmm. and then there's a long thing where you're supposed to think that Dom is maybe moved by it. Then she laughs. Did you also get that there was a little hint of weeping at the end, too? I I didn't look that closely. Okay. Maybe. I'm trying to decide whether the theory that Dom eventually flips and joins F Society. Ah, okay. The way Tyrell didn't see if that still has a little bit of legs to it, that she's still disillusioned enough and that some stuff that Darlene I mean, said she about says the, it is she is me, like I am her, or that sort exactly. of thing. Exactly. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Right. And I did I I thought it was interesting that the show was granting that, okay, Vincent whose crime was he cut off some pair of brass balls and dropped it on Congress without killing anyone is going to be treated uh, in a harsher manner than the, you know, than the government or corporation doing far worse to far more many people. Like that's got to bother a person like Dom, right? You're a tool of oppression. Maybe. Yeah. You're a stooge. You're a cog. Yeah. Um... You're an Amazon Alexa. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean the the whole Alexa scenes are to show how alone she is and how right. how isolated she feels, and you know a lot of those hackers feel the exact same way, right? And when they band together in some sort of F society group, that's their way of building a family, building a, a circle. So I mean that could be attractive to Dom as well, right? She's well, not getting any of that from the FBI. Right. The FBI is just dicking her over every chance they get. Well, that, I imagine that's got to be a risk for the interrogator too. It's like you know, just like there's a chance <laughs> right. for the. Like uh, what do they call that uh, syndrome? Stockholm syndrome, where uh-huh. the captors, the captives start identifying their captors. I imagine there's a similar Stockholm or some kind of syndrome where the interrogator, in revealing real emotional things about themselves to manipulate them, ends up forming a bond which compromises their ability to really dispassionately like weigh this person like a butcher weighs a lamb uh-huh. and do what needs to be done. Like is that it's already happening? When she's it's called con- red wheelbarrow syndrome. Red. Yeah, <laughs> sure. So much depends on the red wheelbarrow dom. Sure does. Uh, yeah, the bullet casing becomes an interesting thing to talk about. I think in the final scene, but we'll get there. Yeah, the ultimate confirmation of the Tyrell uh, theory. Right. Or <laughs> of course, you know, of course. No, it's I, so simple. I mean, kind of. Yeah, right. Uh, so Elliot <laughs> looks at the floor plan for the E Court building, and he's trying to figure out what stage two is. Uh, Tyrell shows him a flood of E-Corp paper backups being taken into a building across the street, and Elliot finally puts it together. They're going to blow up the building one month from now when all the backups are inside of it. Mm-hmm. So finally eliminate all that debt for good. And the ultimate hack is going to be... I found the hack description itself fairly implausible. That you are going to override multiple safety fe- in, in a single product. Like I thought it's like, well, I'm going to do this, this product, this and this product, but it's like, it's all the battery backups, right? Like you're going to simultaneously have them vent hydrogen gas, create uh-huh. a, create a spark and explode. Like that can't happen. Can it? I don't know. I saw somebody said on Reddit that they're an expert in this. I, they didn't give oh, any credentials. Okay, sure. I, don't, I don't know what they uh-huh. said, but they said basically all of it is plausible except for maybe, creating a spark with the internal uh, uh, 
I can't think of the word at the moment, but the basically the power the transformer, right? Transformer, yeah. Uh, they said basically that's the only slightly implausible thing, um, and also that the layout of these things is usually they keep the unit that would generate the hydrogen in a different room from the actual UPS, hmm. um, so that you probably wouldn't be able to to do this, right? Um, and they they were looking at the floor plan and said, oh well, the the batteries would be here and the power units would be over here so i got a little because i've been in a couple high-end data centers Uh and certainly that's like you had the banks and banks and banks of batteries an entire room that was completely separated from now hydrogen explode like if they all started venting at once and like you know that has a way of compromising your your plans but still Mm -hmm. you know it's got the ventilation in there right You'd have to, but so but could, yeah, presumably could, could the hydrogen you can get gas the hydrogen accumulate fast rooms. enough. Yeah, Maybe. oh, but also I was thinking more from the way the line of thinking that like, can you get a concentration high enough before the ventilation? Because right. that's the thing. Like, yeah. every data center I've been in feels like there's an Arctic wind blowing through it. One hundred percent of the time, it's mm-hmm. fucking freezing mm-hmm. and wind chill. So like, and there's is, moving air, a lot of a lot of air. like that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, it's not just cold, like a meat locker. Mm. It's cold because you got the meat locker with this insane circulation of air to prevent hot spots from forming in the equipment. Right. Like I had to wear, I always had to wear a parka and yeah. gloves when I went in there for a long time. Yeah. So I don't know, but I guess it's plausible enough. It's not the first time that Mr. Robot Hack has asked me to essentially like, okay, so here's the realm of possibility. Elliot can take one step further beyond that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is in that one step further. Like, you know, I, I'll grant it. Okay. So. And I guess the femtocell, the, so the Dark Army's part in the femtocell stuff was getting the malware in place to be able to do this, right? Yes. Um, so, or at least the backdoors into the UPS systems that allow them to plant the malware because i guess uh tyrell starts coding the malware during so the the blackberry the blackberry hack or the android hack was just a pretext right and and even tyrell said that conference call breach was a nice little distraction Mm -hmm. so yeah i guess that all tracks and and elliot of course thinks he's doing one thing but he's he's being manipulated by mr robot to do another right uh, so I don't know. I thought it was kind of cool. Uh, other than you know the plan essentially being you you, you can big, also big bada boom <laughs> yeah you can also see Mr. Robot. Remember when he was in um, Roy's office and he started looking at that stuff and Mr. Robot's like you do not want to touch this. Don't do like, that's just naked reverse psychology, right? Right. Yeah. He was trying to he was manipulating Elliot by telling him he didn't want to do the things he did. Uh, let's. Talk a little bit about Elliot's psychology, because obviously Mr. Robot is the part of him that's okay with killing people yep. in the name of uh, greater good. The name of dun 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, So Elliot himself doesn't want to kill people, right? Uh-huh. But Elliot himself is cool with the 5-9 hack, with the basic, like, sure. let's, let's destroy all it's, of the it's, records, it's like, let's eliminate all this debt. It's, it's nonviolent protest taken to the most extreme level. Like, I'm not going to kill anybody, but I'm just going to completely fuck up your system. Now, it's, it's a bloodless coup. To, to think that completely fucking up the economic system of the world isn't going to kill anybody is a little naive. Yes. Actually, it's, the, it's ex- goddamn fucking naive. It's the exact it's, kind of naive that that kind of guy has, though. Like, you can unread it all day long, there's that naive I guess so. Maybe idiot. I'm just not naive enough to buy into too old. this too idea old. that the hack won't kill anyone and that directly killing someone is worse than 
I would, I would love for, killing I would love for 23-year-old Jim to watch the show and I could interview him. Because yeah, I, might. I bet you'd be like, you're fucking right on, man. Yeah, we're not going to kill... Why? I don't want to kill anybody, but yeah, the system's got to be brought down, man. Right, right. It's not me doing it, it's the system. Like, you, you can rationalize right. and compartmentalize anything. Certainly. If you're a true believer. Yeah. Uh, but they do set up a one-month window for Elliot to stop this explosion. So... I guess that's going to be the plot of season three going forward, right? Probably. Like him battling with Mr. Robot himself mm-hmm. um, to try and get, try and stop this, this stage two that he set up. Right. Uh, at least, you know, part of, it's probably going to involve riding light cycles and throwing a disc into a central processing unit, uh, yep. all the way to, to hacking the, the mainframe. <laughs> They're gonna, uh, are, are you trying to say without, that young without, Elliot without is him CG? Being, without him being derest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Christian Slater hasn't looked that young. It's actually they're 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 uh, de aging him. Okay, he actually looks like Jack Nicholson does today. <laughs> God, Christian Slater is a government cloning program to preserve the national treasure that is Jack Nicholson. Awesome. He's malfunctioning. Who, that's what see, that's Jack what Mister Robot's though. actually about. Is preserving Jack Nicholson? Yeah, like the government's experiments gone wrong. That was what. Uh, yeah, they've got Jack Nicholson in a vat. At Washington Township, yeah, power plant or whatever it is, yeah. Uh, all right, Joanna's boyfriend. One is pissed. flew over to MK Ultra is what it's going to be called. <laughs> Joanna's boyfriend's pissed that Scott beat her up and he wants revenge. And Joanna tells him he should go to the cops and change his story to make it look like Scott killed his wife. Kind of t- already talked about this. Yeah, um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say. Yeah, I thought they were heading towards. Did you? Did you get like like this is going to be a naked black belt? Like I don't want to do it, Joanna. Well, if you don't, then I'm going to tell the cops you did this to me. Uh, I guess no, that wasn't running through my head, but I wouldn't have been surprised. I suppose if it went there, yeah, because I I've just never understood this relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless this is Joanna's long con to get back at Scott, which it could be. I mean that's the thing. Like I've always that's that's always been a steady horror trope. Like that the, the like Gone Girl lean heavily into like how e- relatively easy it is to completely ruin a person's life if you yourself have no compunction about ruining your own. Right. Like if you have like nothing to lose and patience and time and a modicum of intellect, you can really make someone's life miserable. Oh yeah. And unlivable. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> So let's start a YouTube series where we try and send people to jail. We try and fabricate the evidence to make someone go to jail. What would you call it? Like catfish, only more illegal? To, to catch a... Uh, to catfish a predator. To catfish a predator, <laughs> yep. Uh, I, okay, let's move on. Dom tries to convince her boss to let her take a risk to get Darlene to talk. He reluctantly agrees, and she confesses that... Uh, she goes into the room, she confesses, hey, I've got no life to Darlene. Mm-hmm. which I guess is a necessary precursor to this, uh, and that they're both part of a huge historical event. Darlene says, nope, not special, but Dom offers to show her something, and she takes Darlene into a room where there's a whiteboard with all the FBI's connections to the 5-9 hack. Yeah. Basically all of their entire case right mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I did like... I like the long walk down the hallway and, like... Darlene's yeah, dawning really realization cool that everyone in this room, all of these agents know her like uh-huh. by sight and are shocked and horrified and disgusted with her. Uh-huh. 
And then we got to the two-minute gaze at the wall scene. And I'm like, you can do one or the other, but not both, man. Yeah. Really, you can't. Her walking through the corridors is badass. It was I, awesome. I love that sh- those shots. And if, but... I, I think, like, what if they'd gotten and, like, we'd seen her look at it for, like, three seconds, and then we finally started seeing elements of what she was looking at. I feel like that's just, on the face of it, more effective. Unless, unless you're trying to condition us to have some kind of emotional reaction you're going to exploit later. Oh, I had an emotional reaction. I, I was looking at this scene, and they kept not showing what they were looking at. Uh-huh. And I'm like, if they don't fucking show what they are looking at, I'm done, man. That, you I'm know out. what? I had the exact – like, if I don't see this board, <laughs> if I don't understand what phase – I, I had those same thoughts. Like, I'm going to go on, and I'm going to just announce that we're quitting Mr. Robot. Or yeah. at least I am. Yeah. Go find yourself a new co-host because I'm out. And no, that's I was I'm... at the same place with you. So they did – I mean, I feel like you got to give credit for El, uh, Sam Esmail to – Push the audience to their breaking point, but not quite get there. Well, no, I mean he's pushed he's pushed me past it all season because, like I said, I did not like the season. Right now, am I going to stop podcasting about it? Am I going to let twenty thousand people down and uh, week to week and and no, say okay, sorry, look, I'm done? Okay, so that's, so let's, when let's, they when they have they do in fact have a decent setup for season three. It just they spent a year getting there, and it's pointless. It's useless for me. So are you saying, let's get rid of the podcast. You're just Jim Jones, the fan. Watch. You're a fan of Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting to binge season three. Okay, so you would you would not wa- you would not yeah. jump in. You would wait and okay because that's kind of like your I lost thing, binged... right? You didn't watch the last season of Lost because you'd kind of gotten disillusioned. Like, yeah. hey, and if I, I hear universal out. acclaim, I'll go watch it. And obviously, we didn't get that, so you have right. And I've never watched it. Uh, right. Yeah, so like I binge watched most of season one or maybe all of season one and i found it much more compelling than season two i wish i had been able to just binge watch season two Mm. and see how that felt Mm -hmm. i still think it would have felt slow Mm -hmm. and a little pointless um but yeah i if man if they didn't show that board and i didn't have a podcast to do Mm -hmm. if either of those things were true i would just binge watch season three right okay uh so this 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 room that they go into, mm-hmm. that they finally take Dom into with the board and all the things written on the scroll on the walls, this is just Sam Esmail's office, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's just the writer's, it's the writer's room. The plot. It's the writer's room. Yeah. We've also seen it before. Like, we that, have. That yeah. We've seen Angela, or not Angela, we've seen Dom sucking her heroin lollipop and looking at this thing, and now we finally know what it is. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool, too. Okay. You know, like, what the hell is she looking at? So Elliot's pissed that Mr. Robot has been planning this behind his back. And but wait a second. So when she says, yeah. you've got to be fucking kidding me, what does she mean? I, the, they've got basically everything. See, I took it from like you're actually – you've got so much, but you're so far off of what's really happening. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think they're all that far off. I mean they have – they know that Elliot is connected to it somehow. But just and think, he's very close to Tyrell. But, but like, just think you're Tom Hagen, uh-huh. and you're being led in a room by the Department of Justice, and they got this organization of the um, uh, of the uh, Corleone family, mm-hmm. and they got Frankie Five Angels at the top, and Michael's <laughs> below. Suddenly, right. you go from sweating bullets to like, I got this in the bag! I got this in the bag! <laughs> you got your fall guy. Yeah. For one. And he's going to slit his, slit his wrists in prison, and, my, and then we live to fight another day. Like, I feel like that's the reaction. Like, I right. can't, after all... All this sh- kabuki shit, mm-hmm. you fucking got the wrong guy, and we can we we can set up this Tyrell guy and send him up the river now. But it's also super scary because you didn't realize they had they're, any they're of this information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you thought you were still like in the wind, and you weren't right. ever at any stage from for three months. I mean, this Python strategy that she's talking about, we've had you since day one. 
Well, they've had well, them since Romero got shot, and that's the right, thing. Like, like had them, had them, sure. That what? Well, no, I think that they didn't. They that was their first crucial clue, and it was a complete mistake. It was a it was a complete accident that led her to there, and she did the investigation and found yeah. the Mobley poster, and then they, it, then the arcade, right. and it all unraveled from there. I'm, I'm, Without that break, I think they're still dicks. You know, yeah. not dicks. Thumbs up, assholes. Dicks in the wind. Dicks uh, in the wind. Thumbs up, assholes. <laughs> right. Uh, so it didn't bother you that that's just an entirely coincidental thing. I think shit because like I know you in previous shows have had big problems with coincidences. So I'm just I'm wondering like why this one is interesting to you because I do think that a lot of crimes get solved because of these kind of unrelated things. So it's like just the context in which the coincidence happens. It's right. Like... Well, so here's the thing. If Dom was um, like the granddaughter of Romero's mother or uh-huh. she went to college with him and then Mobley turned out to be her pool boy, like that's where I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. But like just totally unrelated things that could plausibly happen that, yeah. you know, make sense in hindsight, not like that are predestined to happen, which – we might be going down that with, uh, you know, uh, Tyrell Wellick talking a mess about fate in this episode. But, okay. yeah, I mean, I guess I might have foremost authority on what gets to bug people about, you know, uh, coincidences. <laughs> Is that my official capacity that I get to arbitrate co- with people can be I, angry I think about coincidences? You've done it to yourself, man. Yeah, you know. Snared yourself in that trap. Uh, you know, I guess if called upon, I will serve. Uh, I don't know if you want to say anything more about this Python we strategy, have, but it's the name a, of the episode of these two episodes. So a lot of power flickering in this oh, yeah. this scene too. Yeah, which leads up to the very end where the power just straight up goes out. I think right, like no more power. Yep. What does that do to Washington Township? <laughs> to the to the plant there? Uh, are they still producing power there? Which timeline are we talking about? Well, okay. <laughs> Which which universe? Right. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But but now I will say that I looked really hard for. It. I didn't see any evidence of like flicker based time travel going on here. Right. But on the other hand, there is a lot of there is a lot of you know hinting at lots of other larger possibilities as well. Mm-hmm. But we can talk about that. All right. Elliot's pissed that Mister Robot has been planning all this stuff behind his back, and that he lied about Tyrell being dead. Uh, and specifically about him killing Tyrell. Yeah, I love that. Like when he's like, "I didn't lie to you about that." He's alive, man. He's sitting right <laughs> fucking there. Right. It's like I did. He's having this conversation in his mind with Tyrell, blissfully unaware. It was so yeah. good. I, I I always love when Rami gets even crazier sure. and more expressive. They just let him off the chain. Yeah, like go, just go nuts, man. Go nuts. <laughs> I do love it. Uh, Mister Robot tries to convince Elliot to go all the way with this plan, but Elliot decides he's going to stop it. And he's going to delete this back door and shut it all down. Tyrell pulls a gun on him and tells him to stop. Elliot thinks Tyrell is just another hallucination set up by Mr. Robot right up until the point where Tyrell shoots him in the guts. And as he's lying on the floor, Tyrell tells him that you gave me this gun and said not to let anyone get in the way of the plan. Even you, I guess. And in a very what is one for one fight club here. Mm hmm. I mean, holy shit, if you didn't realize that this show was Fight Club in season one. Are you surprised they didn't go just, uh, start up the Where Is My Mind right yeah, here? Yeah, and have the building come down. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I really thought that's just how it's going to end here. Yeah. A full Fight Club. It's the uh, We thought that the, they were done with the Fight Club stuff, but no, they're just, it's... it's. Oh, that's the Joanna connection. She's starting a Fight Club. Her and Scott. <laughs> are, sure. Are, she's going to be... There you are. 
the first rule of sex fight club. If this is your uh-huh. first night, you must sex fight. <laughs> she's going to turn it around. She's going to have sex with Scott while she's beating him. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's why Scott Knoll snapped. He just had to destroy something beautiful. Yeah. Uh, still, it didn't get really destroyed. Like, no teeth knocked out. No, no, like, just, no like, she got, you know. she got m- movie model destroyed. Yeah. She got like, we don't want to make her that hideous. Right, yeah. We don't want to entirely blacken and blue the side of her you face. Have a beautiful woman. We don't want her to be she... not sexually attractive in the scene. What, right. what I'm thinking. Yeah. It's so silly. I mean, <laughs> come on. Broken jaw, missing Something. teeth, fractured orbital, like anything? Yeah. Did a single bone break? How how hard does Scott Knowles punch? Not very, apparently. Hard enough to bruise, not hard enough to break bones. I'd buy it. He is a pussy and a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Punches like a girl too. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> uh yeah, okay. Uh so there's a lot to unpack here. There is. I thought this scene is incredible. And it changed my mind. Like, I was still, like, if this scene had gone the slightest bit worse, and if there wasn't a scene after this scene, I would have been pretty fucking pissed if they faded to black on this. I'm like, really? I thought they were going to. You're going to yeah. cliffhanger, Elliot dying? That's dumb. Mm-hmm. And no one buys. Like, what are you doing? And they didn't. So I'm glad. So we can. Right. But but I, I, I'm left with this scene that I thought was incredible. And I, I analyzed it when I rewatched it multiple times. I'm like, because at first I'm like, you know. I wonder if it had been better if, like, Mr. Robot was, like, if they had Christian Slater just completely going, like, Remy Malik unhinged. Like, God damn it, Elliot, you're going to fucking kill me. Like, I am not fucking playing. I And, like, just get, like, really desperate and increasingly frantic about. But I'm like, well, that probably would have. I mean, the way they played it, it's just, like, multiple times during this exchange, I was flipping about whether I right. thought Tyrell was real or not. Yeah, they're they're playing it right up to the end. And then as soon as he got shot, I was 100% convinced that Elliot had won, and then the blood on his hands. Mm. And then the flickering Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot fading out and Tyrell not fading out, I think is what seals it for me. I think that's so, but, if there is language in this film, that or this, this piece of work that says something's real, something's not, that's a POV perspective from Elliot inside his mind. Right. One's flickering and one's not. Where now, one mental projection, but but that's the thing. I could the more out. the more I think about it, the more I'm thinking like if I'm Sam Elliot, I could Sam Elliot. I'm Sam Elliot. Uh, if I'm Sam Esmail, I could easily say, well, because this is from Elliot's perspective, and Elliot does at this point really believe he's been shot for for whatever reason, mm-hmm. then of course he would see the Mister Robot persona fading out and the Tyrell persona staying there because why else would he do that? Mm-hmm. You know, because, because that's from his perspective, what's actually happening. We know that when, and, and like why else show Mr. El, Mr. Robot shooting Elliot so many times and mention the fact that the first time was super traumatic and it took him a long time to re, to realize what had gone on. Right. I, there's still the door cracked open that Tyrell is still not real, especially since it's closing though. I mean the, the phone call afterward to Angela, uh, that makes it feel a lot more real as well. Um, because she mentions him by name, Tyrell. Uh, now, so because she's been coached that, that, that this is like that, that, that she knew that this was going to happen. Right. I mean, so what could have happened behind the scenes? And I feel like this is cheap and, and, bad if it did actually oh. happen but like right the dark army could have said look um he goes by tyrell and 
it's just a split personality. You need to address him as Tyrell. And when Elliot wakes up, that's just going to be him switching back to his Elliot persona. Well, it doesn't have to be Dark Army. What if Mr. Robot told Angela that? Sure. Because yeah. I think there's – I can see some things pointing to the fact that maybe Mr. Robot has made an appearance to Angela. Because didn't at one point when uh, Elliot started losing the plot of something, didn't she say, who am I talking to now? Mm-hmm. Or is she saying, who are you seeing right now or something like that? So she's clued in on this. That's something that she could be aware of and, you know, like – I don't know. Like, when he wakes up, I need to be the first thing he sees. Like, it seems like they're still carefully manipulating him somehow. Yeah, I just... I don't know. It's... Here's here's the fucking quicksand yeah. of this show. Yeah. Which is impossible to escape. You right. just don't ever know what's real. And there's no way to reground it. I've talked about this before. You just... You're so far out in left field now... You can't bring it back around. If he was interested in grounding it, some and, and he would have he would have introduced some kind of construct in season one where we could absolutely right. And and I feel like if anything, he's eroding that because it used to be if if Miss if Mister Robot or Elliot wasn't on screen, if it was just Darlene and Angela talking, then you knew it was one hundred percent real. But now the White Rose is fucking with Angela, and Angela's got some kind of energy based time travel powers. Maybe you can't even say that anymore. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the problematic nature of depicting psychosis. Yes. Is how do you ever know what's real? And it's it's maddening both to the person experiencing it uh-huh. mostly, but also to viewers who are seeing through their eyes. It's But it's sometimes it's super rewarding and satisfying. Like I don't know where you stand on Shutter Island, but I thought that was fucking cool. I think well, Memento I mean, Fight Club is itself. amazing. I mean, Fight Club is great. Yeah. yeah right. The end, the the way that they bring that around is fantastic. There, but there's ways to play it, but it's a it's a risk. It's tricky. Right. And and I think those those things muddy the waters less than yeah. this show has. Really? Yeah. Uh, and maybe it's just cuz I'm I'm in well, the Reddit, I'm in the subreddit, like looking at all the theories. And also, if and, Fincher's, if, if Fight Club lasted, uh, uh, you know, 20 hours, mm-hmm. there'd be a lot more room to muddy the waters, right? Like, like right. The, I mean, the run you know, time... there's an ending to this thing, and when they they stamp it and say this is what actually happened at the yes. end, I mean, sure, they can do that in Mr. Robot at the very end. Yeah. Um, but that's uh, what 50 hours from now? Maybe. Who knows? I don't know how many seasons it's going to go. Thirty hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's a tough thing to pull off, and I just don't think I don't think that's what I'm in for on a on a long term show like this. I think we'll know more by in the next season because in the next season, if we're talking the exact yeah. same way, like it's hard for me to see where I just have the patience for it. And I'm not saying that like the people that stick around in season five right. will be. Um, vast rewarded and the great part is if you are i'll hear about it and i can watch the whole thing right but and if it I ends up being like three. an x files or a law and i know people get all upset when i throw loss in the same category but i'm going to because i think it's accurate uh it was not the show i was watching i bailed in like the end of season two and mm-hmm. i never ever once questioned that because i went through that with x files i went right. through a showrunner well, that's you know, that's the thing. Like yeah. you said, edging. I, I went through a showrunner mm-hmm. edging me for nine seasons and never brought me to completion. So fuck that shit. Right, and I feel like I feel like that's part partially the divide here is people who have and haven't seen Lost. Yeah, like what? Like if where... you've experienced Lost and you were dissatisfied with it, you're watching the same pattern here. Uh, and 
and with it, less characterization to kind of like distract right you. you don't have the flashbacks you don't have the 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 connections between these characters that you want i like i've seen lost fool me once shame on me or whatever it is can't get fooled again right <laughs> yeah as, you bush it bush up. would say uh so i i feel like the people who haven't seen lost are like yeah this is fucking awesome look at all these like small meta connections that they're doing and all these uh-huh. cool easter eggs and this is the exact same formula as lost people yeah it's just happening again and you're just gonna you're, get burned you're taking sam esmail's word for it that he knows where he's going yeah and that's it. And I don't You're buy just... it anymore because I saw Lost. Yeah, and it could be right, it could be wrong, but like the th- that's that's the thing. Like ultimately, if you're right, there's no advantage to watching it in real time other than the water cooler. And if you're dissatisfied and 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 always got your guard up around the show, you're not going to be engaging that anyway, and you're going to bum everybody right. out. Like that's you know. me. Yeah, that's so... me. I've got my guard up. And look. You don't have to email me saying, oh, I've seen Lost, and I'm still in on Mr. Robot. I know. Yeah, there know. are people to love you Lost. You can get fooled again. It's not impossible. Because but it's like, subjective, and everyone's got different needs. And like, right. you know, some people like getting beat up during sex, and some people just like to have an right. orgasm. There's all spectrums of human experience. And I'm not even saying yeah. one's better than the other. Right. I'm just saying, for me, mm-hmm. it's not the thing that I, I like. Yeah. So season three could be a big turning point in our coverage of Mr. Robot in, in which it could hit a dead end. I actually surprised. Mm-hmm. I was worried that you might like if you were like, I don't want to do season three. I was going to be like, well, let's put a pin in it and discuss it because like I don't think we should make that uh, decision until the right. wrap up. But I'm actually kind of like, OK, it sounds like we're no, I think they've. They didn't enough I, for me. I do not like season two because they didn't do anything. Yes. They did a couple of things. I know people on Reddit are arguing this thing. And it's all to, the, it could be like they're assembling a space they're assembling something up in space and eventually in season three it's gonna be turned into a space station. Right now it's just a it's right. just a robot arm and a hab capsule and an airlock and what the hell is all this stuff? Right. Where's the solar panel? And they told us at the at the beginning of season two that they were gonna get a fucking a life supporting capsule up there or, well, or they were going to get something that's going to blow your mind the, up there the and then at quote. the end it's in the same position here's a direct quote that we talked about last year when we did the tv podcast on mr robot mm-hmm. sam elliott sam elliott god damn it he, he shaved his yeah, mustache he, he his came out and, and said season one is just a prologue it's just to get us started and i feel like at the end of season two that is a bullshit claim well, I feel like season two is the prologue to stage two. Season two was the yes and or yes mm-hmm. but of the prologue, which is maddening for me. Yeah. Like, if you had, like, like I thought that that was a prologue and we we're going to get an act one. I don't think this was an act one. I do no, not. absolutely not. And and that's what got, that's what's got my alarm bells going off. And just like Lynn, like, I was scared to death in season one of Leftovers. And it turns out that, mm-hmm. like, now I've got, like, super faith that they're going to avoid all the problems of Lost. But I was going like right up until the end when they started making it satisfying. I was scared. I'm still a little scared, but sure. Yeah. You know, when I hear someone say that I got this big epic sprawling thing, and season one is just a prologue, and just like I expected, it's just badly paced. It's that va- season two is terribly paced. It could be unavoidable though, because I, I cert- but I, I, although it's not because it's not. would you what would USA Group say if he goes like, look, I got six episodes this season. Mm-hmm. Would they be like, fuck you, make 12? Maybe they did. I don't know. They it's did. fine, but you got to speed up the timeline of the show at that point. you got to say, then you're halfway... well, I, I can't leave season three to be stage two because now I have 12 episodes to fill. Yeah. And people are going to lose their fucking minds with the anticipation. 
I need to move this up into season two if I only had a six episode season in mind. Yeah, and then uh, again, stage, it, it, there's no excuse for stage two being left in the wind all season. It also would be interesting to go into the Washington Township time machine and go back and envision a world where people didn't figure out the prison plot right away. But like, there, I think there's like, no that, excuse for letting that is, linger is, for I, five I think, episodes. I think for Esmail to say, like, I expected people to be surprised and that was going to be a huge reveal that people treated mm-hmm. as a reveal. And instead, you guys are all acting like I haven't given you anything. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I'm trying to look at this more sympathetic because I don't think he's, you know, obviously I don't think this is a bad show and anyone involved is bad. It's just like when you got something this high concept and high profile and also it's another instance where a first time creator is successful and he's given all the control this experiment was imperfect okay yeah that's what that's I, that's that's, how, that's that's generous yeah I, I will say that is generous all right to call I, it imperfect i also think i like this season more than you did probably not a lot more okay but but definitely I, i'm getting the opinion that i i, I feel like i I'm, I'm giving it more rope than than you are but that's fine yeah. that's fine all right um so i i guess we have talked about I mean, do we want to talk about, like, the details of whether or not Tyrell is real? Do you want to talk about, like, some of the evidence aside okay. from just, like, the phone call and, sure. and well, the, let's talk about the, the gunshot? Phone so she gets a phone call, and the lights are flickering the whole fucking time. Right. And she, before he identifies herself, she identifies him as Tyrell and confirms that Elliot's with him and says, I'm on the way. Uh, it's important that he's I'm the first person he sees when he wakes up and then Tyrell brokenly says I love him and she says I do too mm-hmm. and then they you know play uh, you know we've 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 got tonight which I thought was Sam Elliott's desperate attempt to make up with us as the viewer <laughs> like the hang on here like he's all essentially kind of pre apologizing right. or acknowledging the absurdity of like you know here i got an idea like yeah you're disappointed and you're walking away but like don't walk away stay because because you know we're both roughly the same attractiveness level and we're both roughly the same level of of desperation and loneliness and we we you know why not just stay why not stay come on girl because i'm bored because <laughs> i'm fucking bored I'm well that's when on. you know you're not getting laid as a person who's employed this exact same pitch on numerous occasions if if she came back with because i'm bored i'm like well there's no arguing with that yeah you know uh what i like i don't think uh, instead is, is of it... spending time dumping easter eggs into this show mm-hmm. and and stringing us along and saying hang in there because it's all gonna pay off just make it fucking pay off man <laughs> Yeah, there's that. Uh, so why is the conversation with her proof that Tyrell is a real person? Uh, so I don't think there is. Let, let's say this. I don't think there is any definitive proof that Tyrell is real. I don't think you could point to any one thing and say that is because people absolutely said, people said, ironclad. People said Angela heard the voice of Tyrell, to right. which I would say I've seen numerable scenes where Mr. Robot's talking to someone as Elliot and no one's saying, holy shit, you sound like Christian Slater. What the fuck? So, like, just sounding like someone is not proof. Like, that could be the show just fucking with us. Now, okay. her identifying him as Tyrell seems like it's proof. But you could can assume I, well, that I... she's been briefed on either by Mr. Robot, by Elliot, by Dark Army, by the FBI, by anybody that something right. like this is going to happen and she's playing a by part. By White Rose her, herself, right? By White Rose, I mean, yeah, sure. That... This could be just a continuation of the previous weird 
fish tank test scene. Exactly. Like, she now knows what's going to happen. And Are you going to do what needs to be it. done? Are you going to, you know, and so I, I don't see the ironclad proof. I'm not saying that it's the other way, because I definitely don't think you can prove that Tyrell is a fictional person at this point. Oh, definitely not. And I think there are things that, that suggest that he is real. Okay, what are the For other instance, ones? instance, well, okay, there's also some, some mudding of the waters. Let, let me ask you about this bullet casing. Okay, because I guess I, I will say that I, in no circumstances, believe that Tyrell was never a real person. I think right. that no, could be absolutely hundred percent. That, that could be taken be off real. the table. Yeah. It has to be real at some point. Um, but the bullet casing, though. Yeah. So this bullet casing is weird, and it muddies the waters and says maybe Tyrell is not in fact real because what what it was up with this bullet casing? If if Someone... in fact Tyrell is real and did not get shot by Elliot, yes, then the popcorn gun is not his murder weapon and the mm. bullet casing is not the coming off the bullet that killed Tyrell. Why is there a bullet casing that links to that gun in the fun society building? I don't know. And there's a lot of speculation that I didn't ultimately read in their feedback because it's like, I could come up with like Tyrell's never handled a gun before. He didn't know it was on safe. He accidentally bang. Oh God, you gotta be careful with this thing. Mm hmm. That is just as likely as any crazy scenario people would come up with because no, right. Like, the only thing we can decisively say is that that gun was, because the FBI says it, that bullet was fired from that gun. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. So a shot was fired. Yeah. That's all we can say. Okay. I mean, you can spec. that's the thing. Like, I, it's very, it, then, then what do you speculate? Like, it, one thing is possibility is that Mr. Robot shot Tyrell because he said he shot him. Let me ask you this. How did all of this shit get set up with stage two if Elliot was in prison and Tyrell isn't real? Because it would be what Mr. Robot was doing. I mean, maybe that's why Mr. Robot's so desperate to get him on a terminal because he knew time was clicking and tick, kick, ticking and time was wasting. And I mean, all, all of this stuff is presumably set up by Tyrell, right? Tyrell's claiming, I set all this up. Like, well, but we also know Mr. I've been Robot working was doing... in the background doing what needs to be done. But, but Elliot also, was in prison. He's yeah, but, not getting out at night to do these things. I don't. I disagree because we know Mr. Robot was doing some stuff and was making phone calls and was get and, and was ingratiating himself with Roy way before Elliot knew about it. But because Ray, yeah. Ray I can't sure. keep on saying Roy, right. old Roy. Old uh, Roy that, yeah. uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's we know for a fact Mr. Robot was fucking with 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 Ray mm -hmm. and terminals and phones before Elliot, way before Elliot. That's, that's why Elliot overdosed on uh, Ritalin or Adderall because he wanted to make sure that would not happen. Right. So. The only thing you can say conclusively is so there was a, saying, like, a time the dark of six army days. is doing this behind the scenes. Yeah, they're they're keeping the ball moving forward. And then Tyrell Elliot, had nothing to physically do with it. Maybe, or it could be that 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 Tyrell. So if he's a fake person, then yes, then he did not have nothing physically to do with it. Right. And so Mr. Robot is just issuing orders from prison. And, and Tyrell would be army. his compartmentalization of that knowledge to preserve, to protect Elliot. Because I think oh, Mr. Right. Robot's sure, yeah. ultimate goal was to have this pull off without Elliot dying. Sure. But he also yeah. took steps to make sure that, you know, going all the way would happen if they had to. Yeah. Um, and again, that's the problem. I don't think there is any way to definitively say. Uh, and there are things, there's supporting evidence on both sides. If you got it, if you got what you think is a definitive proof, 
Yeah. Send it in to robot.baldmove.com because we're having a wrap up podcast and we're going to have a clearinghouse. And, you know, unfortunately, I'm the editor and I'm sure there's a lot of people like, why didn't you read my theory? Well, like, it's because I'm one person and I get to decide what gets read on and I got way too much that I can read. I really can't. Like, it'd be a four or five hour podcast. My voice wouldn't last that long <laughs> if I read everything that I get. Right. Uh, so I have to make decisions about what speaks to me and what I think would fairly represent a wide swath of theories and i don't even have time like i i I was trying to make an effort to reply to people of why i'm not reading your theory but number one it seems like it comes across as negative like here's aaron personally emailing you why he thinks your theory is stupid (laughs) which i wasn't coming across but it's like or i could just i took the time to tell you i don't agree with you in any manner and and i was also doing all this like look i'm not saying your theory is bad or it's wrong i'm just saying that there's no like here's the leaps of logic you're making and you're then you're taking that leap and building it's like, you know, I just, just know I'm in an unwinnable – these fucking shows put me in an unwinnable situation. But Let me ask having you said this. that, if you have concrete – if you have proof that you feel is concrete that you want to, to try to run the gauntlet of the inbox so we can fight about it on air, send it to robot.ballmove.com because I'm super curious and fascinated by it. Let me ask you this. If Mr. Robot is the one orchestrating all this mm-hmm. and is the one p- applying pressure to Elliot to get him to blow up this building. Mm-hmm. What use is Tyrell as another character, another figment? If, if Tyrell is a figment of Elliot's imagination, what use is he to Mr. Robot? So there's two ways to look at that. One is that he serves some sort of compartmentalization because we know Mr. Robot does do that. He tries to... But Mr. Robot himself does that. Yes. He doesn't have access to what Mr. Robot But But also Mr. Robot and Elliot have been unusually close, and like maybe he knew that as a consequence of them playing these stalemate chess games that he might inadvertently reveal something, so they created a third... I mean, and this is all Elliot's mind doing it, so which brings me to the second point, which is just like, you know, it's a mistake to say that evolution intends... You know, like evolution decided it was time for fish to move on land, so they got legs. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. This is a natural phenomenon of Elliot's brain chemistry doing this, so it could it doesn't necessarily have to be a positive adaptation. It could be a maladaptive or vestigal part and has no purpose of being there. It's just a natural outcurring of his brain chemistry. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I know that's not super satisfying, but it's certainly something you gotta talk about. Like Sam Esmail's yeah. under no compl- no compunction to have this guy's mental illness make logical sense. No, but there needs to be a narrative sense. Or and, do you, yes. Or you're I just making a useless pile of crap. And, right, sure. Uh, a useless pile of confusion. And, yeah. Like it's, and a, it's a shaggy dog story. You're familiar with that term? Uh, no. Like it's a joke that you involve the shaggy dog and you keep layering detail and going back in time and telling how, and, but the, the, the joke has no punchline and distract from that, you just keep on layering details. Okay. Like that's the thing. Like if, if, you're, if you're not careful you're going to wind up with that because yeah. yes, you can defend each of those in isolation, but if it doesn't have any narrative use, it's not a story. Right. And ultimately that's what I'm in it for. I don't yeah. know if people are just in it for a Lynchian type experience, but sure. Nope. Not me. Sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Which is where a lot of my complaints come from. Can we talk about talk also post credit sequence? Well, you... the, what did you think about this, this Cody guy, this character that has been in the, oh, this conspiracy show that's been in the background. Is that like Sam Esmail trying to, I don't know, have his cake and eat it too with conspiracy theorists, like poke fun at them. And like the fact that Frank Cody is about to tell you 
why the power outages are happening. And I assume it's going to be some stupid thing involving contrails. It's not what the real thing is about. Of course, yeah. Um, and it's like hot. And then he just, you know, this is essentially cutting to black when the totem's wobbling. Or does he have. Yeah, so it's weird because, like, I don't know about you, but I don't see a lot of. Outside of the political arena and political argumentation, I don't see a lot of conspiracy theorists on television. I mean, yeah, you get the History Channel with ancient aliens and shit, right? Right. But, like, the set that he's on looks like a fairly respectable news network. It's on television. Like, mainstream television. Yeah. I don't know that this guy is, like, completely conspiracy nut, tinfoil hat it's bonkers. A pretty, it's a pretty small jump from, like, a Glenn Beck I know. situation. So you think this is, like, the fictionalized Yeah, like, what uh, if Fox News hadn't fired Glenn Beck as being too out there? They just let him do whatever the yeah. fuck he wants yeah. on there, like, right? Like, oh, yeah, we're loving it. Get, like, like, give him more line to play. Get the chalkboard going. Work it, Glenn. Work it. Yeah. I mean, that shit tends to happen in the political arena, but right. when you're talking about, like, I don't know, people reporting on news, it doesn't tend to go that direction but I don't think this is news. This is, this is very much like whatever the uh, like last season of the X-Files. You know, they had that guy by, played by the community dude. What's that guy's name? Jeff Winger? He was in X-Files? Don't you remember? Yeah, he was the conspiracy oh, theory oh, guy. Oh, the last. Right. Yeah, the, yeah. the tenth season of the X-Files. tenth season. I keep forgetting that even we exists. Actually did a, we yeah. actually did the full season of Gvald Move. It was a shit show. Right. Uh, Joel <laughs> McHale. Joel yeah. McHale. It, it's like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like in... You know, you just take what we know and you take it one step further and you get this Cody guy. Okay. Right. I'm with you. But he was doing his shit on his website on YouTube. This is clearly on True. television. Like, yeah. A, a mainstream broadcast network. Like, so seems weird. I don't I know also, what he's there for. I feel like maybe in five years we could see something like this. Like, maybe. If the, if the yeah. climate of, like, there's out and outright, and I'm not saying one side's got a monopoly on it. Yeah. Uh, but there is this increasingly turning away from facts in favor of what people choose to believe Mm -hmm. that I think is going to lead to both right and left wing versions of these shows where they get in their little, I mean, we're polarizing for sure. Right. Like the left wing guys are going to be talking about how vaccines are the devil and GMOs are controlling the world. And the right wing guys are going to be talking about the global environment conspiracy. And yeah, uh, eventually the middle becomes so big though, that, you're just talking insanity. Yeah, I mean, hopefully. Those I two know. sides will be completely ignored because that's a world where I just don't even I don't even know what to do. Like if you can't right. use words that you form into ideas that have a factual basis that people can independently verify and form opinions on, yeah. then you're just If those have no sway in convincing anyone of anything. Yeah. Right. Like you're like are we even human beings as we understand the, the yeah. concept at that point? We're just reactionary wind up toys. Yeah. Maybe of course, I have the, the accurate, complete understanding of the world. Well, it's obviously. all you people that I'm worried about. Yeah, so do I, of obviously. course. The only one I, the only, yeah, I... I trust this guy in the room, and even then, <laughs> it's getting pretty squishy for my taste. All right, well, uh, you're I don't softening, know. You're, you're softening on your Mr. Robot hardening. I don't know. The finale, ultimately, was more frustrating than satisfying, I think, um, because of what led up to it. But we do get an after credit sequence that is somewhat satisfying it's sam esmail slowly creeping up on trenton and mobley <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean without this scene we're uh, we have another dangling thread that's a what the fuck man tell us something here 
but after the credits, Mobley and Trenton are sitting outside of a fries. Uh, Trenton is insisting on talking about something she discovered involving generating keys and she's maybe not, undoing She's not wearing her Habib anymore as going into deep right. cover. Yeah, I guess so for her. Uh, Leon comes up and asks what the time is. Okay. And, Burning and, question. And, and Mobley appropriately responds, time to get ill, and they start... <laughs> They start jamming out. <laughs> uh, open question. Is Leon there to slay or recruit? Because the thing, the, the recruiting angle. Impossible to know. But but here's the here's the evidence for. I mean, because okay. Leon seems like uh, he is a professional and that's kind of the cleaning shit that he would Leon do. Leon the professional. Exactly. Really? You oh, got God. me. Uh, the other <laughs> thing is um, Trenton, if you notice on the FBI board, is the one person they have no idea who that is or what anything about her. So right. she's still yeah. clean. Mm-hmm. And it could be a little column. It could be there to kill Mobley and recruit Trenton. But uh-huh. it's interesting. I I don't know what to I don't know what to say because it seems like that their only ability their only use for the plot is to undo the thing that the dark army seems like they want to keep undone. Yeah. Like like Philip Price wants this paper shit to work. Uh-huh. Dark Army does not. So it seems like it'd be an elimination kind of thing, but the fact that Trenton is is, un, and I think that's got to be intentional. That on the board she's kind of like completely an unknown. I don't know. Yeah. So, what is the point of not just having this scene three episodes ago? If if I if they're if they're I just mean... gonna kill. Uh, Mobley, Mobley that's and actually okay. And so for, for that's good meta analysis. You're right. Why not just do this immediately? You're instead right. of stringing it along, having them do this elaborate backstory had, with he, fake lives. He had and, so many cliffhangers in the last four or five episodes that like he couldn't. He had to. He had to export a cliffhanger to this uh, post credit sequence. Maybe they just oh we can't fit it in. We got to linger forty seconds on a board, and we got to <laughs> linger a minute and a half on a closed door that you can't see past. This episode is one hundred ten minutes. I need five full minutes of creeping in on these people. Right. So put it at the end of the season. I, I just don't see the narrative purpose for waiting and, and making them putting them in the wind for a while. Yeah. Um. So I I think Leon is not there to kill both of them. Maybe one, maybe neither, but Frederick or probably not both. If you want to, if you want to come at it from a meta perspective, okay. Uh, but apparently this this frontage, the store frontage, is a real fries. I believe it's not, that. I was thinking like, oh, is this some Chinese? Like, are they in China? Because these, like, I thought they were dragons at first, well, but they're actually Aztec. So we had this place. In Indian- so we have a fri- we have a fries in Indianapolis. It's called Incredible Universe. Well, it was it, it moved into a building about ten years after this thing called Incredible Universe ended. Right. And I always thought like, how are they going to repurpose that building? Because it's a very specific, distinctive structure. And then I went to see fries. I'm like, well, they don't bother. They just throw yeah. their shells up and like, woohoo, it's fries. And I wonder that's if fries like, kind of mo. Yeah, like they, they, they have these weird. They things. just buy these weird things. Like that could have been like some kind of orient oriental themed uh putt putt indoor place and it went out of business because that's a terrible idea for a business and then fries just bought it and like fuck it we got dragons now that's Uh, awesome like i I guess yeah apparently that's what they do um because it's a real i mean people were taking like you know getting free karma on reddit by going and taking pictures of the place yeah it's in phoenix arizona if you want to go there and check it out you can it's dumbest thing Uh, on reddit dumbest thing on reddit that if you live by the fucking f- right. building you can go and get a, a million cl- karma yeah for for nothing 
Yeah. For nothing constructive. No one thought that that was a fake set or building and what... I, I don't get it. Like, unless there are literally no images that pop up in Google image search of this right. thing, you're doing nothing. Yeah. You're just saying, sure. hey, I'm close to it. Yeah. Hey, guys, I'm close to this thing. It's slightly Who more It's fuck? slightly more informative than the My Face Win posts <laughs> that are currently choking the front page of Mr. Oh, Robot. Fuck you. All I you hate people. those things. Get out of the way for my con- – I want real informative content. I don't give a shit about how your mind is fucking blown. Yeah. Anyway. And then it's inevitably some gift that's – Says the guy who talks about television on a podcast for two hours a week. Right. Uh, so how are people shopping at Fry's on $50 allowance per day? That's a, a fine question. Because there's a lot of people in this we parking have feedback. lot. We have feedback about this soft apocalypse that we're going through. Are they just buy- They're still out there buying Blu-rays? That's half your fucking allowance on one Blu-ray. Well, it's got to be brutal because in Central Park, they're fucking trading, like, Walkmans for batteries and e-coin and, right. you know, baby diapers, like... Yeah, I'm not going in there and buying the latest Xbox title. Yeah, the, the economy is Fuck the economy. Off. Unless like unless Philip Price and his progeny are keeping keeping them afloat, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, anyway, that's the end of the episode. Yeah, I mean they're they're talking specifically, I think, about undoing the five nine hack, right? Uh-huh. Like Trenton is, says, she can maybe regenerate the keys for the encryption uh, that they used. She doesn't say the encryption, but that's what she's implying. Right. And undoing this whole thing, putting everything back the way it was. Right. I think she's she's thinking about it. Right. Yeah, definitely. So maybe that will be a struggle. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, if Leon's there to clean house, it's game over. But Yeah. Because they're not escaping no. Leon. None of that. Uh, we've <laughs> seen. can't run fast enough. And, and I've seen Trent, and Trent's, Trent's combat skills. The only right. way she disarmed their lawyer lady is because she accidentally tripped and bashed her head in the wall. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah. No, that's not happening. Nope. All right. Well, that's that's about it. Uh, so I know we're going to have another episode next week. It's the wrap-up yep. podcast where we'll kind of like try to put a bow and try to identify like the, the current open threads and maybe the best leading theories and consider your feedback. Uh, but also, this is not the end of Bald Move. I just want to make sure that people are aware of that if you want to see an actual show about robots... Unless Leon walks in this room right now. <laughs> if you want to see an actual show about robots running amok that might be people and it might not be, uh, we are going to start watching Westworld week one. And our preview podcast begins next week. Uh, we'll also be doing Walking Dead later in October. Or September? In September? October. Yep. Uh, October. Uh, currently, we're doing American Horror Story, and Jim's doing Halt and Catch Fire. If any of those, that's another one, maybe potentially up the robot crowd's alley. Yeah. Uh, one a little more grounded in reality. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Uh, it's a pseudo-reality. It's a revised history, but... Right. Is Joe a real person, though? Really? I don't I don't even know at this point. I've only seen season one, and I already know that that's... The, I take LSD every time synth. I watch it, though. He's a synth. <laughs> he might uh, be. So, yeah, you can follow all that on baldmove.com. Uh, let's get the feedback. Let's keep this short and sweet, because we've had a, a long podcast, and there's still feedback to go. Uh, but if you've enjoyed our season two coverage of Mr. Robot, the only reason we're able to do that kind of stuff and uh, all the podcasts we do... Uh, is that we do this independently. We get paid full-time, and uh, most of our funding comes from the generosity of listeners such as yourself. And it's super easy to support us. You can go to club.baldmove.com, join the club. You get a bunch of premium features for as little as a buck a month. 
uh, such as being able to skip ads or getting ad-free feeds, VIP access to the forums, bonus content, extra shows, all kinds of stuff. You can peruse all the menu at club.baldmove.com. Or if that sounds like too much of a commitment man uh, and you do online shopping at places such as Amazon, you can use amazon.baldmove.com as the link to get there. You go right to the same place. It's the same fantastic pricing and shipping and product selection. It's no extra charge to you. It just gives us money through some kind of magical means. Washington Township and Cobalt Fingernails are involved to to pluck these pennies and put them in her pocket. It's but it's it's magic. It's 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 science fiction, man. And it's Amazon.baldmove.com or Club.baldmove.com. If you appreciate our work, please pick one and uh, support us. Thanks. Again, if you want to send this to us, robot.baldmove.com or forums.baldmove.com. Nathan P., the key was in the fist. My fist was in the pocket. It's from Lolita, the book that was on the desk in front of her. Lolita's about, and I regret putting this attached to my name on the internet, sexual fantasies about young girls. Together with the questions, do you cry during sex, or do you think about killing your father? And little Angela being bruised and beaten makes me think that White Rose is playing off the fact that Angela may have been molested as a child, possibly by her father. This also fits with the persona Claudia Kincaid that she uses, which, similar to Darlene's story, is about a girl wanting to run away from home. With Elliot having a father he aligns with who died, an abusive mother, it might mirror Angela's dead mother and potentially abusive father. That's all I've got, but I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. I know it doesn't track with her returning to her father last season, but it does track with her easily wanting to, pardon the pun, stick it to him earlier this season. Um, So, I don't know that her having a fairly warm relationship with her in season one contradicts the fact that she would be abused by him because victims react to all kinds of abuse, all kinds of different ways. She could be in denial. She could be repressing it. She She, could be trying to make the most of a good, bad situation. Right. It's just the problem with the disparity between the way he was treated or viewed in season one versus season two. Right. Like at least be consistent, Angela, Jesus Christ. Well, uh, but I mean, that's, that's what humans are consistent. <laughs> that's pretty much everything we speculated on, on you, last episode, right? But I guess how long can we cling on to her behavior towards her father last season when there's a lot of obvious scene, the, a lot of obvious um, indications that things aren't all right with her and her dad this season? Like well, we we might have just had the, bad or incomplete information. The problem is, and I read this this interview with with Sam Esmail, who's like, oh, yeah, the great thing about Angela is you can never read her. You never know where she her loyalties lie, uh, that sort of thing. The kind of things that infuriate me as yeah. a viewer that I absolutely despise. That's the great thing about her? Is that yeah, the great thing a, for you as a storyteller because you can make her do anything you right. want? Or He says that as any – he chalks up to Porsche's uh, performance, and I'm like, well, yeah, I don't like that either. Uh, <laughs> and he says, you know, they're going to allow – that's going to allow them to do more of that in season three with Angela. Oh, no. Like, where are her loyalties? Are they with White Rose? Are they with F Society? Are they with Elliot? Like, we just don't know, and we're going to play with that. And I'm like, that's the last thing I want to hear. So that's been the problem all along for me is I just don't know what Angela actually thinks about any of this. Yeah. And even now, it's like it just gets it's getting weirder, not more clear. Right, and so the stuff with her father is also muddy because you don't know if she's actually doing it because she wants to stick it to her father or if she's doing it because she feels like she has to to cover up uh, what she's actually doing. It's it's so muddy, yeah. so muddy. Yeah. Uh, so we had an interesting email. Paul H., 
he is nominating himself as Bald Moose resident economist. Okay. Um, if there's any debate about what genre Mr. Robot is, given the latest episode, I can confirm that there's indeed a fantasy show given its presentation of the macro economy and its financial markets. Here are my problems <laughs> with the show. I cut about a lot of his qualifications and stuff because it's like, okay, he seemed like he knows what he's talking about. And he broadly agrees with my point of view, which is the most important thing. Oh, right. Uh, one, the adoption of e-coin or the replacement of the U.S. dollar. When Philip Price talks about making e-coin an official currency, I wasn't sure what this actually meant. Companies and businesses take different currencies every day as mm-hmm. long as it has some relationship with the U.S. dollar. If you mint, and what I suspect, which is slowly phasing out the U.S. dollar, then it's ludicrous. A lot of the United States' economic strength is drawn from the fact that the U.S. dollar is a reserve currency across the world, meaning that a shock to the U.S. financial sector is really bad since everyone in the world owns dollars. If you give up or replace the dollar, there are massive implications, but here are two. One, you lose the ability to manage your monetary policy. If you control interest rates, you control the economy. If the E-Corp wanted to jack up interest rates to a billion percent, under the Necoin world, the U.S. government can't do anything to stop it. Mm-hmm. What if they wanted to increase interest rates for a competitor? There's nothing the government can do. This goes against sovereignty and antitrust laws and would never, ever, ever be passed, especially to a company that just took $2 trillion from the China. Speaking of $2 trillion, I almost laughed out loud when I heard this number. That's three times <laughs> the market capitalization of Apple or twice as much as all the assets of J.P. Morgan Chase has under management. Think about all the deposit accounts under Chase and institutional accounts in J.P. Morgan's investment bank. This is larger than India's total economic output. The bailout program in the 2008 financial crisis was $800 billion to recapitalize America's financial system. On the flip side of this, China does not have $2 trillion to give. <laughs> China's to- total foreign reserves is about $2 trillion U.S. dollars. That's like giving your entire life savings to your friend in another country. It leaves you with no liquidity and a huge risk since there's no interest payments anyway. And this is to a government, a company, not a country, so there's no guarantee they'll ever give it back if the company does go under. Mm. So, I again, this is like some very specific criticisms of why I kind of make the stink face anytime mm-hmm. Philip Price and White Rose are going at it, because just, I mean, it's it's essentially the dilithium crystals and flipping inver- inverter phases of Star Trek. Like, it can, it's it's whatever. It's just a plot point to move it forward, but it doesn't have any real basis in reality. Right. And, you know, given that we're looking at time travel, perhaps, and androids and shit, then, you know, may- maybe this is more sci-fi <laughs> than we all thought. Hmm. Uh, Jason B., is it possible that White Rose and Zhang are indeed siblings rather than the same person? Given her line of work, it would make sense that White Rose could and would erase any record of her existence, and perhaps she and her brother are somewhat at odds. This could explain the seemingly shifting motivations of the Dark Army versus Zhang and Price. Maybe it's not very interesting to discuss the point in the show or at all, but I find myself leaning more and more towards this being a big twist. It would be an inversion of the Elliot Mr. Robot reveal last season and that the audience assumes is an alternate identity of a single character turns out to be a different person altogether. What's this theory got going for it, Jim? The fact that it plainly explains when Zhang was explaining about his sister's clothes? (laughs) Right. Uh, I mean, in my mind, that's really the only thing that's got going for it. Because the whole rest of the breadth of conversation with her, him and Dom, was that he has a secret. I guess it unnecessarily complicates things, right? Like on Mister Robot, perish of thought, right? Like you don't you don't need two characters if the one can function on its own. I I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's anything that actually disproves the idea that they're not the same person. And I can't think of anything specific and definite. 
Yeah, we're getting to the point where anytime someone suggests a theory that to disprove the hypothesis, you have to watch the entire series, and that's just not that's just not um, well, tenable, yeah. you know? Sure. Like, oh, okay, I have to view this show in this prism. Now let's watch all 20 episodes and see if there's consistencies or inconsistencies. Like, I'll ugh. leave that to the people on the internet. <laughs> uh, crowdsource it. Jennifer F. says, I haven't heard this on the podcast so far, but I learned that Sam Esmail is originally shopping around the screenplay version of Mr. Robot when USA Network asked him to turn it into a series. Even though I'm loving the show and I still recommend it to folks, looking back, I'm wondering if this accounts for a lot of the show's quote-unquote problems. The weird drug dealer Shayla storyline in season one and seasons two foot dragging with Elliot in prison. The writers are simply being forced to stretch out the material. I think that is a plausible Mm -hmm. conclusion that you've got a either a trilogy of movies or a one movie that's three acts and suddenly you're turning it in, you know, the same way as like the Hobbit is like a 200 page children's book. And now it's a eight hour movie saga, right? Shit be inflated in parts. Yo. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think the, the, you know, movie and a sequel or a trilogy possibly would be the way to go with this. Cause like, you know, stage two needs to happen, and kind of stage one is a movie within itself. Right. Um, but yeah, stage two is a logical progression. Right. Uh, yeah, because I mean, I guess I would give it three movies. Because, mm-hmm. but he said the first season is a prologue. Does that mean right. that's like the first thirty forty minutes of a film? Right. I mean, yeah, a trilogy feels like it might work. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't have any concept of the story they're trying to tell in the final, what, three seasons right. that they're talking about so far. Right. So maybe uh, maybe you'd need nine movies, <laughs> like Lord of the Rings. And a director's cut. Yeah. It has, like, another three movies worth. Uh, Sean B. says, I've always found Tyrell as a character very off-putting and wondered if it was the way he was written or just the actor who was bad. But I think after this episode, he makes more sense in retrospect. My theory is not that he's an android or a split personality, but he's actually just a highly functioning, mentally challenged person. (laughs) He's exactly the kind of guy you'd want if you're starting a cult. Slow-witted, easily manipulated, and zealous to the point of violence. Look at his relationship with Joanna. To me, it seems that she is the one pulling the strings all along. She manipulated him from their very first meeting when she told them to fuck some other girl and bring back her earrings. She was the one encouraging him to make these crazy power plays and climb his way to the top. It almost seemed at times he didn't want to do a lot of the things he was doing, but did them anyway because Joanna told him to. Mm -hmm. Then he meets Elliot, who blows his tiny little mind with his talk of changing the world. He instantly becomes devoted to his cause and pretty much throws his life away for it. His eyes light up during a 5-9 hack like he's a child staring at fireworks. When he's forced to shoot Elliot to keep the mission on track, he cries and sobs to Angela that he loves him. If you think about it, almost nothing he does is really his own idea. It's all in service of someone else's. Except for maybe beating up the homeless guy, but hey, that only furthers my point that he's a fucked up in the head. He's not a visionary. He's not a master of the world he wants people to see him as. He's just a mentally deficient who latches on to someone's idea and pushes it like a dog with a bone. I don't know if he's mentally deficient, but he's... Weak. I mean, he's not... He's certain... They're right that he's certainly not as powerful as he wants to project. Um, and, and he is kind of more of a follower than even he himself is comfortable with, but he's trying to, I guess, exert his power or the power that he feels like he should have the power that he wants. Explain to me the difference between Joanna's current boy toy and Tyrell. Uh, one of them has red hair. 
especially if you consider like what her and Tyrell might be like in the beginning. Like uh-huh. I never have thought yeah. about this through this lens, but this makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, Tyrell, the way he just struggles to comprehend and is like these emotional swings and, you know, not thinking things through and making rash decisions. Like, it does really seem like her current boy toy. Yeah. Maybe Joanne is the big bad. I mean, I've always felt that... I can't remember what we said in the the early episodes of this season, but I've always felt that Joanna was at least a good chunk of the instigation for Tyrell... Uh, Tyrell's motivation, Tyrell's seeming like insane drive to get to the top. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe it comes partially from his father, but Joanna is taking advantage of that and pushing him harder than he might himself. Right. Uh, Let's see who else we got. Mark E. I can only assume last name Mark. Well, that finale is a bit of a letdown. I actually really liked last week's penultimate episode. Despite the obfuscation and lack of plot movement, at least it was interesting. Hmm. But the things that weren't interesting, Joanna taking up hours of screen time all season just so she can frame Scott Knowles for the murder of his wife. Like, who cares? Tyrell sure doesn't. <laughs> yeah. He's on the bigger and better things in E-Corp CTO. I get her motivations, just not sure of S-Mails and spending so much time on her. Tyrell telling Elliot, no one interferes with Project Mayhem, even you, sir. Okay, not that surprising that Fight Club stuff continues given Elliot and Mr. Robot's duality, but come on, this is way too on the news. And we didn't... Nose, rather. Way too on the nose. And we didn't even get to hear a new version of Where's My Mind. We deserve that much, damn it. Maybe that scene included a Daft Punk cover of the song that would have worked by pushing through joyless aping into some sort of absurdist joy. (laughs) What do you think? Should they just lean into the... They should. Just a different version of Where's My Mind at the end of every season. Can we get Edward Norton as a high-level uh, FBI agent oh, next that'd be season? glorious. It would, wouldn't it? <laughs> he's he's the, the big FBI guy that they're always talking about. <laughs> just behind sure. the desk, pushing papers, sure. making those... He's the American equivalent of White Rose. <laughs> Philip Price thinks he's the Zang White Rose, but it's actually Ed Norton. He's the president. He's the president's gentleman. Whoa. Yeah, he's like right. the... He's, you think he's the president's valet. Nah, nah, nah. Gentleman? He's what? running it. What? I don't know. Did you ever heard like a... You call a, a male valet or Batman a gentleman's gentleman? Mm, a I butler? you going like a gigolo sort of deal. <laughs> yeah. He's a president's gigolo. The first gentleman? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nathan P. says... Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. I, I kind of agree with the Joanna stuff, right? It seems like a totally unrelated subplot at this point. Except, again, I'm convinced that she is pivoting into a much larger character, and since right. last year I just got that she was a sex kitten that was high, you know, high maintenance, she's become mm-hmm. much more than that this season, and to the extent that she's going to become a real-life character next year, that this time was probably valuable. I suppose so. Now, if she, but they I don't back know what burn her all next season, then fuck all this shit. Like, did they? Did, is Tyrell going to bring her into the to the F Society plot? I, I don't mean, know what she wants because it seems right. like she wouldn't even be fucking with Scott Knowles if he gave her her money. Sure, yeah. Like, is and she just a literally material her. girl? Like that she's doing all this for the the bling and the baby and maybe. Um, I know being a mother is important to her, but right. I don't know what is the most important thing. Nathan P. says, you guys are probably disappointed in wanting to stop watching the show. Well, you're wrong. Not one to stop watch, but 
Yeah, disappointed. I've loved this season, dare I say it, even more than the first. I'll concede that the first had better pacing, but this season has had gr- has been great for character development and Emmy-worthy performances. I've loved speculating and overanalyzing every part of the show. Sure, I get that a lot of people don't like being teased and let on, but I don't see it like that. The show has so far walked the line between science fiction and science fact, and I've loved that it could go either way at the flip of a switch. You know, that's one of the things we admire about The Leftovers, the fact that we are to this day debating whether supernatural things actually happen. Mm-hmm. Why don't we give Mr. Robot more credit for that? The fact that they can have us believing there's time travel and cyborgs and fucking Matrix shit going on, and the next week it's back Because to... it's instantly established in the very first goddamn scene of The Leftovers, this is the show you're watching. Ah. Mr. Robot, show me the science fiction. Show me the science fiction in Mr. Robot, because it isn't there. The U.S. monetary policy? That's not science fiction. (laughs) Financial fiction. Financial fiction, sure. But that's 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 my favorite new genre: uh, uh, financial fiction fantasy. (laughs) Oh God! (laughs) Fi fi. (laughs) Yeah, can we get a network called Fifi? Sure, it'll just be Mr. It's, Robot reruns twenty four. It's just a whole bunch of like the firm and the Pelican Brief and uh, the big uh, what's what's what Wall the, Street and yeah the Wolf of Wall Street and the big uh, uh, shorts Wall Street right the long short the short yeah. long just all financial stuff yeah that's not me grappling all over titles those are just the movie and its sequels <laughs> short long the short long the big short the short uh, long of it yeah I mean. I don't know what people are talking about with sci-fi because it's not in there yet. And if it's ever going to be in there, they have yet to introduce it. Mm. All of it has been as close as you can reasonably expect to reality, right? Mm. For a hacking show. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, you could keep saying, hmm, or <laughs> maybe <laughs> help me out with an answer here. What do you think? I think that I don't know, because you could be right, but part of me... Wait, want... sh- tell me, what, what in the show so far has been science so, fiction? I, I don't, so I don't know. Okay, I'm trying to express this in a way that lets you know that I'm not sure if I agree with you, okay. or if I'm arguing with a man who's watching the Enterprise be constructed at you know the uh, Utopia Planitia fleet yards... And, like, I don't see the starship. Yeah, there's some nacelles, and there's a titanium frame, and there's loading to lithium, but there's no, like, until the, star, like, I'm seeing the foundations laid for science fiction. Like, I'm, I, I saw time go backwards in an episode. Well, you saw something wonky with the radio signal is what you saw. I saw swamp gas reflected off the right. disc it of Venus. Say, is that what you're it saying? It doesn't necessarily say anything about time travel. Like, we don't know what this world, like, the next stage of humanity is. That could literally just mean, oh, we're going to institute our own China coin or something. Like, we don't know. I mean, this show is not science fiction yet. Hmm. Okay. I think I broadly agree with you, but I'm also wondering if... Um... I don't know. That's that's a like a willful denial of the foundations they're 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 building. Uh, probably closer to your point, though. Uh, so anyway, he's 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 fully in disagreement, walking the line between science fiction and science fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, he thoughts this episode. He thoughts um, Nathan says this episode is great, even though we didn't get to see the end result of Phase Two. I love seeing how Darlene has realized that she isn't necessarily a leader, but she's loyal to the few people she cares about. I love seeing Angela blossom from lost employee looking for change and answers to this focus, vengeful double agent. I love seeing Joanna's unbridled rage at Scott Knowles, who might be my VP for, of the episode, uh, Joanna, that is, and her using the power she's gained via sex to achieve her personal revenge. 
I love seeing Dom put everything into place and connecting the dots at the expense of any form of normality. The 5 9 event changed all of these women, and truly they are the stars of this season. Meanwhile, I'm betting that Trenton is going to be a big part of season three. She's not technically linked to F Society at the moment in the eyes of the FBI, and she seems to want to undo what they did. She might even join up with Dom and become a problem for Elliot and company. That is, if Joey Badass doesn't kill her first. Or she might be an android. She might be an android. <laughs> okay, I, I forgot. There's a bunch of things that I wanted to talk about up front okay. uh, or during the, this discussion. Is it possible that, <laughs> that Angela and Tyrell are Elliot's parents from the future and some kind of fucked up Jean Grey, Scott Summers cable plot from the X-Men. Yes. Not only is it possible, it's likely. (laughs) It's inevitable. It's likely, and we're spiraling down into the depths. Did you not even think that a little bit when you saw that scene? Really? No. (laughs) I love him. I love him, too. Really? No, they're his friends. Tyrell loves him like a god, like a an underling loves a god, mm. like a d- devoted follower. Uh, Angela loves him like a brother. It's I've read too many Chris Claremont comic books. Apparently, I don't. Man, well, when the time travel happens, I'll know. They're just throwing I'll so much stuff sure. at the wall, and I just like you know, just this Tyrell such a weirdo. He's my least favorite character. You got to pick. Show. You got to pick time travel or androids. I don't think you can have them both in a single show. No? Time-traveling androids? Well, TNG like too much. Times Arrow Part 1 and 2 would like to disagree with you. Because <laughs> well, you can they have did a time-traveling android. They did it in stages, though. They had the android. Then they got the time travel. You gotta, you can't just have, like, <laughs> oh, by the way, Washington Township is a portal to another dimension where androids live. Hmm. Boom. <laughs> what would Mark Twain say? That's what I want to know. Uh, know. Chad from Mississippi said, I don't know if you've mentioned this, but the time-travel link, uh, talk reminded me of an earlier movie, Comet. Written and directed by Sam Esmail, this movie is a love story involving parallel universes. Maybe this is a topic he likes to explore. Are there androids in it? I don't. Have you seen Comet? No. I haven't seen Comet. I probably need to see. I might try to. See, I don't know if I'm gonna have time. I'd love to see Comet before next week's, Oof. because I would like to get to the bottom of if if it is full to the rafters with androids, time travel, and alternate universes. Yeah. Then this is a much much more interesting theory, because yeah. Like if, mm-hmm. if I if I found out the guy that made Primer was the the creative director of Mr. Robot, I'd be like, hell yeah, time travels all up in this. <laughs> um, but I, I just don't know. I don't know. Uh, Melanesque. So I have conflicting thoughts by the end of this episode and series. On the one hand, there's a lot of Mr. Robot trademark what the fuck moments, and Sam Esmail did answer a lot of questions such as what is stage two? Who killed Romero? What are Trenton and Mo- where are Trenton and Mobley? Is Tyrell still alive? Did he? Did, did he? he Melanisk? Uh, when or who was harassing Joanna? And most importantly, will we see badass Leon again? On the other hand, fuck you, Esmail. After a long season of teasing, annoying cliffhangers, and very few plot movements, you wrote me back into the show at the last minute with me wanting more straightaway and are leaving me with one whole year to wait to answer all the follow-up questions, such as, is Tyrell really alive? Why are we seeing Joanna's storyline so much? What is White Rose's real plan? What the fuck happened with Angela? How big will the consequences of the last brownout be? Whether we get... Can, so can we, that's the other thing. Can we talk about that last brownout? Okay. There's people on Reddit swearing that time altered right there. Oh, like, like fucking like the, the, the headlights change. And I'm like, I watched that scene and no... 
I was looking for traffic to go backwards. It did not. So I didn't see any backwards traffic. I don't know. Like I it, think it's I think it's a blackout though. Yeah, it's I for think sure. it's like long longer term than a brownout. Yeah, yeah. Whole eastern seaboard. Yeah, maybe Bra- the whole black, country blacked out. Uh, whether all these get answered straight away or not, you can count on me for a third season. Sam Esmail knows where he wants to go, and even if it looks like he's taking his sweet time, it's going places I don't think I've seen anywhere else. A modern apocalypse with limited electricity available for the people. All debts, financial assets erased for good, and a weird plant where potential time travel exists. New order shit or super AI is being built. Count me in. <laughs> yeah, I, that's the thing. And I, I, I haven't really added that little wrinkle to it, but one of the reasons I'm cutting this show so much slack is because it is giving me things that I have not seen anywhere else. It's, yeah. it's a long-form exploration of Fight Club, which I think is kind of a worthy thing to do. With more of a appealing protagonist, less of a reactionary you know so many shows that so many shows that take this idea of the downfall of civilization skip over the downfall part right yeah and they go directly to the five years later right when when all the shit's gone bad already Mm -hmm. i think it's super interesting to watch the deconstruction of it and that's like one of the biggest hooks for this show unfortunately i don't feel like that plot point moved a whole lot. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, it was three months, and we do see some some market shenanigans going on there in Central Park. But, like, stage two, in my opinion, they took way too much time. Like, you could have explained in a single episode what that was. Yeah, you could explain. And then got on with it. You explained in a single commercial break segment what that plan was, and it took them literally all episode to spoon it out. All season. Yeah, but, I mean, even this episode, like... Oh, we had right. to we had to stare at the screen, and then we had to stare at what Elliot was staring at, and have him confirm that I don't know what this is any more than you do. Yeah, and then we had to stare at the screen some more, and then stare at two perhaps some imaginary characters and have a gun battle. It 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 was it it definitely takes a sweet time, and I can't tell if that is doing the work he wants done on my brain, and this is all going to just melt it later on, or whether I'm going to be like, you know what, I don't even care anymore. Uh, friend says, I don't know if you guys were like me and expecting a complete societal breakdown along the lines of an apocalypse event, be it zombie, nuclear, viral, robot, AI, <laughs> vampire, foreign power, alien invasion, natural disaster, etc. that we oh, see I in many other forms of pop culture. You're limiting yourself too much. You got to think bigger. <laughs> Pasta explosion. I mean, just an inversion of the entire universe as we know it. Why not? Uh, multiverses crashing into each other and bouncing around like pool balls. How about God turning all the air off the, on the planet for five minutes? Yeah. What would God what would turning do? the earth into space? If the atmosphere just disappeared for yeah. five minutes, only the people that can hold their breath for longer than five minutes would live and then be forced <laughs> to restart society. Maybe he turns it into a fishbowl. It would be humpback whales, deep sea divers, and people that are on oxygen <laughs> in hospitals. That would be... <laughs> That would be what we reform society with. Right. And they're all androids. And they're all androids. The androids survive, too, of course. Yes. Especially the android whales. You just can't get rid of them for nothing. No. They're here. They're here to stay. Uh, but then I realized in those events, there are massive deaths and destruction of physical property, infrastructure, and presence, and essence, no law and order. The 5-9 hack had no such consequences beyond the property damage of some server farms. Did it? I'm going to explore this here in a minute. 
Uh, by all appearances, the whole apparatus of government and law enforcement seems intact. I don't know when it would be okay to grab my assault rifle and loot a Costco in this universe. That's a real good question. Like, given an apocalypse, when is it cool to grab your assault rifle and get what's coming to you? Like, because if you jump <laughs> it, the gun, you're a fucking you're right. a fucking criminal. You're just a lunatic. Yeah. You're yeah. you're a looter and rioter. And to put down like the dog you are. If right. you wait too long. Then you're going to have the jack boot of some thug on on you. Some local warlord's going to take all the stuff, and you got left yeah. holding the bag. There's right. a sweet spot. There is a sweet spot. I think it's as soon as the first person has to go without like a meal. I think like <laughs> you miss lunch one day for like reasons that are out of your control, uh-huh. and you're you just pick up that rifle and go. Yeah, if you show up at Pizza Hut and the lunch buffet is closed. <laughs> right. Then you take to the streets, man. It's very, it's very falling down. You, you were promised hot pizza mm-hmm. and unlimited quantities from from eleven thirty to one thirty p.m. And I mean, you really, you were promised it your whole life, right? I yeah. Mean, society owes you. It's America, man. A hot lunch. Yeah. Uh, by all appearances, the whole apparatus of... Okay, I already read that. Uh, don't know. Yep, I already read the assault rifle part. Uh, what's your plan for the robot whales? Shit. When well, we... they only eat plankton, so the pizza's safe. <laughs> no, actually, that's the, that's a shocking thing. Robot <laughs> whales, super carnivores. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> they run off meat. Uh, do we abandon... They eat other whales for food. Uh, do we abandon our social contract to not steal and harm each other for resources? Perhaps we have a prolonged widespread blackout... And it's the exact kind of spark that sets things off. Hmm. Powder so can being ignited at the end of this episode. So that's interesting because then food becomes scarce, right? I mean, it really, it all comes down to food. Like food and shelter and well, the bare essentials. Because you don't have to go to Fry's and shop for fucking USB dongles. You don't have to do it, man, on your $50 a day. Now, if that $50 a day wasn't there to prop mm. people up, I think you'd have them turning much faster into but chaos. Th- that's like, so $50 a day... It's like, does that give you like what? What do you tell the power company? What fifteen hundred a month ish? Yeah, that's on average. I mean, you don't tell the power company anything. You have to pay your bill. Pay your fucking bills. Yeah, you stop spending money on bullshit. Yeah, but if if you're me, I guess what I'm saying is like if you're uh, if you are a millionaire in a mansion, your power bill could be fifteen hundred dollars. Do you just go without power? Do you got to go get a tent and camp in your front yard? Like how how are we are the policemen going to be willing to work for fifteen hundred dollars? They got a kid in college, man. Like I that's the thing that's and I'm no economist. Maybe our resident economist can can speak to this. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you limited all of um, consumerism to fifty dollars a day, yeah. it would destroy the economy in very short order. Right. I mean, you can't even afford rent in New York on fifty dollars a day. Right. And Not then, possible. And then like what how what what does that mean for corporations? Like what is their limit? You know, like because they have to buy extraordinary amounts of stuff and sell extraordinary amounts of stuff, or they could. Right. And, you know, we, they've we've been moving to this. One of the reasons we're so fucking efficient nowadays is because we've moved to this like hyper real time, just in time type performance systems, and you know, we're we're on the bleeding edge all the time. Sure, money coming in, money going out. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I'm trying to put this financial crisis in context with other ones like 2008 and the Essen loan, uh, bank run, uh, bank runs and failures. In some of these situations, they lock the bank doors and declare holidays preventing withdrawals. <laughs> in some circumstances, it appears a social contract and law enforcement prevented unrest, even though people were suffering and prevented from accessing their money. I suppose my main point is where is the breaking point for law enforcement and society when the crisis isn't mass 
scale death and destruction by financial liquidity? When is it justified to take things into your own hands and engage in violence? Um, no money, no electricity, no food, no fuel, no water. I mean, that's the thing. Like, there's people. I mean, there's people to pull a gun on you for cutting you off in traffic. Like that person has got a hair fucking trigger. Right. And and then you got people that I don't know have like savings and they've been doomsday prepping and whatnot, and they might be able to. They, they might head for the hills instantly. They've been waiting for this. Yeah, you know. I mean, like. I don't really know. I just feel like this show's not getting that balance right with the mm-hmm. rules and the things that they've explained to me. Okay. Like, I feel like in, I mean, the parameters we've been introduced to for the amount of time, because you're right, you get a you get a minor, like, Black Friday or a stock market crash or an SNL bank run, you can close the banks for a day or two, get it figured out, and nobody's going to lose their fucking minds. Mm-hmm. But, man, so many of the American people live paycheck to paycheck. I just... yeah. $50 a day wouldn't cut it for me. Yeah, $50 a day is cutting it for nobody in New York. I can tell you that much. Ex- and that, yeah. Uh, we live in a super cheap area. Exactly. The, the Midwest. Yeah. Midwest, deep south. We're going to be fine on $50 a day. Yeah. Enough for RC Cola, Moon Pies. Treat treat the wife and kids to Wendy's. No, I mean, I really, I think it comes down to, I mean, for me personally, it would come down to bare necessities, right? Like, okay, sure, I don't. I don't need to really drive anywhere. I don't have a fucking job at this point because who, who's employing yeah. people at this point? What I thought it was interesting. But like if I can't eat, if I can't, if I don't have water, uh, that's a serious problem worth going out and just taking what you need. Mm-hmm. I think that what's interesting to me in this, apoc- this proto-apocalypse is that the bazaars that we saw in the last few episodes seem to be selling what I would consider luxury electronics goods. The fries? No, no, no. The, like, bazaar. When you went to Central Park oh, and there yeah. was people setting yeah, yeah. tables, they mm-hmm. were selling headphones and Walkmans and cassette tapes and, and batteries. And, like, mm-hmm. like, like your Game Boy can't be charged and you're going crazy. Like, it's, that's a, it's a very peculiar kind of, like, they weren't selling. But they also had, like, I think diapers and baby formula and stuff like that. Like, I feel like these bazaars would be much more, like, UN refugee camp in Mogadishu. Well, you got to think about like like the other side, not the buying side, but the selling side. Like I'm a dude and I need to eat and I don't have any money. So I'm taking all the shit that I had in my house. I'm trading my video games for baby formula because my baby got to eat. giving it away. Like if you have money, if you're Philip Price, I'm going out there and I'm yard sailing every fucking day. I'm I'm stashing up people's video games, and once this economy gets back on its feet, oh, you better believe I'm going to make some money. Uh, <laughs> Jim Jones, robber baron. Yeah, hell in yeah, the digital age. Uh, but no, I so I think that's like people trying to get money to buy necessities, right? Just uh, selling off all of the extra shit they don't need, hoping someone will buy it. Probably nobody is buying it because why would they? But yeah. Does a you know, take it down there and try and trade it for something. Real glut of the market for Game Boy SPs, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't be bringing that shit. But they're so cheap now. <laughs> if you got the money, do it. How can, like, I got a bunch of baby formula left over. Why not? <laughs> trade it in. I'll take five. Uh, Cherie, last email of the week until we get to next week, which is the wrap-up podcast. Don't forget. Though we now know that stage two, what stage two is and that Mr. Robot had instructed Tyrell to use pop, the popcorn gun to shoot Elliot if he tried to back out. It does not explain why the FBI found the bullet casing traced back to popcorn gun at the F Society arcade. Yep. 
Why was the gun fired? Was the gun fired on two occasions? All right. Here's the theory that Sheree has. What happened at 5-9 was the arcade at the arcade was replayed to Elliot by Mr. Robot in the finale warehouse. Thus, the bullet casing can be explained as Elliot was actually shot at the arcade. But the problem is the timeline doesn't exactly match because Tyrell then calls Angela clearly months after 5-9 after she met with White Rose. Do you think that there's any merit to this theory that this could be somehow a reimagining of the real confrontation between Elliot and uh, Tyrell that he's reliving in some kind of fantasy world? Uh, wow. Hadn't considered it. I suppose it's not impossible. Yeah, I I don't, it I just, don't know either. It would yet again be another... Ah, another scene that would muddy the waters for me right. as to what I can believe and what I can't. What's your gut tell you? Tyrell, real, alive, real. bullet, real, real bullets. Real, alive, real bullets, shot Elliot. So did they have a plan to shoot Elliot and get him immediate medical t- attention? Is that what the Chinese dude in Scrubs is all about? He's chowing down his barbecue sandwich, uh, ready to crack him open and pull a bullet out of him? I don't know if that's what that guy's there for. This is a Gus Fring type plan? No, but I, I not exactly. I think... Tyrell was expecting to not have to do this because, I mean, Elliot planned the thing. Why would he have to shoot him? Uh, but once he did shoot him, he got him some attention. Called somebody. Called White Rose. Called. It seemed like he was whoever. taking a sweet-ass time while Elliot's yeah. collapsing and bleeding out. He's standing over him. You gave me this gun to yeah. tell you to fuck yourself. Yeah. And shoot you and your dick when you tried anything. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was weird at the time. <laughs> Tell me to shoot you in the dick. Only now when I was standing before you. Yeah. <laughs> that I realized the truth. Uh okay. Sorry, can't 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 help you out on that, but but we'll see. We got we got all next week to talk about I don't know, maybe we should do like a theory roundup and rank them. Okay. That'd be interesting. Seems like a lot of work. I might might, might be too ambitious. <laughs> but I feel like that's what we, we should are. do. Yeah, well, we should do what we will do. Maybe two different things. You'll have to tune in next week to find out. You would expect a professional podcast in this position to do something like that, rank it. But it turns out we're going to be selling baby food for Walkmans. (laughs) So just because you would expect something to happen doesn't mean in the real world when the chips are down that those things are going to get done. Uh, But, yeah, send that feedback to robot.baldmove.com or to the forums, forums forums.baldmove.com if you want to refine your crazy theories with your fellow fans and uh we'll see you next week with our 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 season two wrap-up extravaganza yeah see you then bye